Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. No one under 16 will be admitted unless accompanied by a parent or guardian. Only you can judge if your children are mature and intelligent enough to witness the frank and revealing scenes in this film. This is a world of hidden mics and two-way mirrors. A world where nothing is private. I've got some paperwork hand-delivered to me. Harry Cole is an expert. The best there is. Did Dad know about this? Your dad's at work today. Let me tell you something about Harry Cole. The best bar none. I'll drink to that. Best what? The best bugger on the West Coast. Excuse me, Mrs. Addison? Hey, Doug. I just want to give you this. Listen. You. <laughs> no, don't be scared. He can bug anybody, anytime, anywhere. Why do you know that? Is it involved? No, 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 no. Nobody knows how you did it, though, Harry. It was the hell of a scandal, too. Confirmed within the last two hours, Charlie Adelson's trial for murdering this man, FSU law professor Dan Markell, will now start on October 23rd. Does it involve me or other people? Well, probably the two of us. They're not people to him, just voices. He doesn't know them, and they don't know him. You probably have a general idea what I'm talking about. Uh, it had nothing to do with me. I mean, I just turned in the tapes. Who is the paperwork sent from? Um, something that came hand to hand to me as I exited the building today. Hey, someone's messing with you, they're messing with me. Someone's messing with me, they're messing with you. Call them, find out who the fuck it is now. Trust me on that. Let me tell you something. I was at Broward with Dato, and he told me the whole story. Be careful, Harry. Take it through. Find out who the fuck it is. That's all I'm asking you. You have to talk to, but it's, it needs to be nipped in the bud. You're an idiot. You gave a fucking wrong number. Get the fucking number to fucking call because I'm going to call them. That's okay. Okay. I'm going to fucking go to the cops right now. Okay. Well, either you go to the cops or we go to the cops or exactly. find out. What a stupid conversation. Stan, please. I'm trying to work. Call them. Find out who the fuck it is now. Trust me on this. I said, let me call you back later. What the hell are they talking about, for Christ's sake? Stanley, please. I'm trying to get this done. Well, I'm getting fed up. What's the matter, Harry? If there's one surefire rule that I have learned in this business is that I don't know anything about human nature. I don't know anything about curiosity. I don't, that's not part of what I do. There is nothing private about the conversation. Listen. Whatever it is, I'll, t I'll take mm -hmm. a look at the paperwork. That would be great. Perfect. All right. I'll talk to you later. Love you, honey. Bye. Love you. Bye.
You are listening to the Roberta Glass True Crime Report, putting the true back in true crime. From New York City, Roberta Glass is now on the record. That was from the Society page, my favorite YouTube channel. Hi, how is everybody? Doing a takeoff of the conversation, great Francis Ford Coppola movie, one of my favorite movies. And so appropriate to this case because there are so many bugged conversations taped very much like in the movie, The Conversation, done who knows how in, in restaurants, outside, on phones, kind of amazing. And we've seen from the jailhouse calls and from Donna Adelson's own filings, legal filings, what I view is a very paranoid mindset from it. Today, I want to talk about Wendy Adelson on the stand and the incredible confidence that she shows and the credible defiance and snark. And I think her attitude is, how dare you question me? She's been subpoenaed to be there, and we know it gets very interesting. We know that she was given immunity, limited immunity. They can't punish her for anything they say. They can't investigate anything that she says. But even with immunity, she lies. So, of course, her immunity is based on the idea that she testifies truthfully. And just a shorthand to the Castigar issue, and I won't go into it because it's certainly very controversial how much weight it has, is that she can't be worse off had she testifying than had she taken the fifth. Right. So everybody remember that Chappelle show episode. I take the fifths. So if she took if she came in and just answered, I take the fifth. Interestingly, Donna and Harvey Adelson were threatening to do the same. Take the fifth. Should they be forced to testify in Charlie Adelson's trial? And very glad that didn't happen, that they didn't get any kind of limited immunity. And that certainly would complicate Donna's case. Some interesting questions from you all. So this is, we're going over the testimony in Katie McBonawa's second trial. I don't know if I made that clear. And it gets very interesting right around the time of cross where she's cross-examined by DeCoste, who is Katie's private lawyer who paid for that is still a mystery. 
although there is some very interesting legal fi uh, filings around that, and or at least one, <laughs> and I'll be talking about Katie in an upcoming episode. Motivation for All 3934 says, great job, Roberta, <laughs> breakdown queen, thank you. The reason why Wendy seems so open and cooperative is simply because the Adelson clan knew that Wendy would be the number one suspect. That's why they meticulously planned to have all her devices clean, and she only met Katie in person, never leaving a digital footprint, and I believe even bringing up Charlie as a suspect was all planned to make her look completely innocent. The Academy should see this and consider her is consider nominating Wendy. Interesting. You know, it's divided this audience between people who think Wendy's a great actress and a terrible actress. And I think that it must be pretty convincing if you didn't know the case and you're still trying to work it all out. The Happy Man School says, regarding Wendy, we know that Charlie knew all along who killed Wendy's ex, so that was his defense, admitted that, and it's not re reasonable to believe that he would never have told Wendy during the nine years he knew. So why has she not come forward to say anything and has continued to protect her family? Very interesting comment. Yes. And why does Wendy show so little curiosity in the whole Adelson family about who killed Dan Markell? We know from June's testimony that they never talked about it, although Donna did let slip that she believes Dan Markell is haunting her from the grave. Very much like Lady Macbeth. Certainly. It's, it's so crazy, this case. Peaceful Penelope, 5054. Yes, I love hearing all the emails that Donna sent Wendy. I'm actually a few years older than she is, and I can't believe how dumb or stupid she is. Basically putting down everything on paper in those emails, I don't really like using those words stupid or dumb. Well, we know Donna likes using those words, even calling Dan Markell Harvard educated, both undergrad and postgrad dumb. But in this case, it applies. Maybe she is missing common sense. I think it's just a total lack of empathy for other people, a intense desire to get what she wants and to win. And you can read all that in those emails. And if you go back to Inside the Mind of Donna Adelson, that episode, a couple episodes back, you go into the link and you can read uh, the link, the description of that episode. There's a link and you can read all, um, read those emails in their entirety. They're amazing the intensity that she has. Okay. User KB6UM3MG 
6D says, you making fun of people makes you look quite unprofessional. It's beneath you and quite disgusting. In a professional setting, you should be canceled. Okay. Well, uh, I'm not making fun of people. I'm making fun of murderers, accused murderers, and convicted murderers. And this is something, a criticism I've gotten since the beginning of my podcast. And I would think user KB whatever number, I don't think my podcast is for you. Because part of what I find so offensive is the reverential tone of which the mainstream media treats these characters in the way our legal system is now treating them. And the victims are given none of the same kind of reverential treatment. I find it quite repellent morally. I'm surprised you don't, but... Okay, so that's what I have to say to that. But I get, I've gotten that quite a lot. Katarina Heatherton, thank you so much. How do I become a member? I'm addicted to your channel. Well, I have a Patreon, but I haven't started memberships up on YouTube. I just haven't gotten to it. Um, I just don't know how that would work with Patreon if it would be redundant or not, or what I could have to offer. But yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for your very generous super chat. Haley Robards, thanks. Thank you for the super sticker. I appreciate it very much. So let us get into Wendy Adelson. That was a long, didn't that feel like a little bit of a long introduction there? So the beginning starts out with a lot of the same kind of questions we've heard Wendy answer before, and she obviously forgot her hair straightener. And thanks to Sonny Tanner for reminding me of this cross. I've been meaning to get to it. So this may be a little bit of a longer episode. So we'll start out with the direct and then go into cross. All right, state may call its next witness. Chairman of the state calls Wendy Adelson. All right, Wendy Adelson, please. Looks like she's wearing the mom flats that Sunny described. And I think the reason she wears these shoes is to remind everybody. So she wants to look very glamorous here. I don't think it really worked with the hair that she's really good looking, but on the feet, she's just your from the bottom, which the jury sees she's just your average mom.
raise your right hand and respond to the clerk. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you shall give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? You can have a seat. Ms. Kaplan. Thank you, Your Honor. Please introduce yourself and spell your name. Uh, my name is Wendy Adelson, W-E-N-D-I-A-D-E-L-S-O-N. Ms. Adelson, where do you currently live? I currently live in Miami Beach. And are you here today pursuant to a state subpoena? Yes, I am. And do all state subpoenas confer immunity? I don't know if all state subpoenas confer immunity, but this one does. Okay, and do you believe that your subpoena is special or different from other state subpoenas? I, I don't believe it's special or different, so I suppose they all carry immunity. All right, and does the immunity conferred upon you by the subpoena mean that you can never be prosecuted associated with this case? That's right. That's what you think it means? That's what I think it means. Okay. And do you think, isn't it true that it's use and derivative use immunity? Do you agree with that? Yes. Okay. But not complete immunity from prosecution. Do you agree with that? That's different than what you just asked me for. So I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? All right. So what I'm trying to allow the jury to understand is what sort of immunity you have. What is your... So how low is the sound on this? I hear people saying that the sound is very low. I'll wait for a second because if this is really bad, I can also check out long crime and see if they have a better stream. And thank you so much, Ducky Plays. Oh, you're in New Zealand. Please send <laughs> Pascal jet planes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, my bestie's girlfriend's husband is from New Zealand, and he brings back that candy for me, and I love it. Love your show, Roberta, from Auckland, New Zealand. Oh, looks beautiful there. Lucky dog. So let me know if it's really, is the sound really low, incredibly low, hard to hear, or is it bearable? Should I take a break and try to look for the law and crime? It's low? Okay. All right. I'm going to take a, a break and try to pull this up on law and crime and see if that's a little bit better. It may be just as low. We may, we may run into the same issues, but it's worth a shot. All right. I'll be back in a hot second. If you are enjoying this episode of my true crime report, please hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel and share this episode. Get access to exclusive podcasts and other bonus content by becoming a patron today. If you have a question or comment for me, shoot me a super chat and I'll do my best to answer it and read it on air. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. All right. So I'm just looking if Court TV has it. Anyone else? Or is it just the Tallahassee Democrat with the very low sound? Sorry. All this looks like, yeah, all this looks like either Charlie's trial 
Yeah. Oh boy. Or someone else's analysis. Yeah. It looks like law and crime had the first, the first trial, but not, but not the second. Am I wrong on that? Sorry, guys. Of course, when you're listening alone with your headphones, it doesn't all sound so low. Hmm. Yeah. I think this looks like this is the only game in town. I'm going to keep looking while I play it um, and listening. I think that's the best I can do for now on the fly. Sorry, guys, it's so low. Yeah, it's at maximum, maximum volume. Understanding of what it means for you to have immunity pursuant to the state subpoena. So I have derivative and use immunity. And so in the future, a prosecutor couldn't use what I say here today against me. Correct. But you could be prosecuted. You Just nothing you said here today could be used against you in that prosecution. Do you agree with that? I suppose so. Okay. Have you made any sort of special deal with the state attorney's office or with any law enforcement or government agent? No. All right, was there a time that you lived in Tallahassee? Yes, I used to live in Tallahassee. What was the time frame that you lived here? I was here for about eight years. I lived here my last year of law school, so the academic year 0506. We were in Miami for 06, 07, and then I would have been back 2007 to 2014. All right, and what brought you back to Tallahassee after you returned to Miami after law school? Um, well, I returned to, I went to Tallahassee to finish law school. Mm -hmm. All right, Deep Drive True Crime has it. Let me see if that's a little bit better. If not, I'm so sorry, guys. We'll see if that's a little bit better and we'll see. Let's see. Wait, that's been blessed by um, by a rabbi. Um, and it's a little bit too far. Six months by that. And the entire time that you were living as a married couple, was that at the Trescott address that we've seen photos of earlier? No. When I wasn't a student, I was working for FSU. All right. When did you meet Dan Markell? Danny and I met, we met first online and we met when I was starting so I don't know if you caught that, but she said, I, oh, my testimony um, means I can never be tried in this case. And <laughs> Georgia Kaplan's like, you think that's what it means? You think that's what it means? And she's like, yes. <laughs> so ridiculous as a lawyer. I think she argues in one of these, I can't remember if it's, I think it's in the cross that she only took criminal law in school and she doesn't know anything about it. Come on. My 2L year of law school. So that would have been 04, fall of 2004. When were the two of you married? We were married in February 2006. 
Do you have any children in common? We have two children. All right, both boys? Both boys. All right, during the time that you moved to Tallahassee the, the second time to work here at Florida State, were you living with Dr. Markell the entire time as a married couple? I'm sorry, Dr. Markell? I'm sorry, Mr. Markell, Dan Markell, your husband. Um, were we living as a married couple when we returned to Tallahassee? Yes. Yes. So All by right. that point, we returned in August, maybe, of 06. So we got married in February of 06. We've been married six months by then. And the entire time that you were living as a married couple, was that at the Trescott address that we've seen photos of earlier? No, we lived first in a rented house. I actually don't remember what neighborhood it was now. It's been a while. Um, but we lived there until we bought our house. So maybe six months in the other location. I don't remember exactly how long. All right. Do you remember what year you moved into the Trescott address? Um, we moved into the Trescott address. Maybe I don't remember exactly what year. Probably it would have been 2008 or 2009. It was before my older son was born. And you were living there in 20, well, he was living there in 2014 when this murder occurred, correct? He was living there in 2014. And you were no longer living there. I stopped living there in 2012. Wait till you hear. So it's such a difference. Wendy Adelson in direct and Wendy, like just the whole tone of it gets totally wild in cross like very Georgia Kappelman is so civil with her and then wait till you get to cross whole different story thank you so much Mark Ivick for the super chat your voice is so soothing thank you new to your content content excuse me so glad I found you. Thank you. I'm addicted to this case and your work and research is excellent. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much for the, all those kind and encouraging words and your generous super chat. I appreciate it. Love is a four letter. Happy new year to you. Love is a four letter word. Thank you so much. I'm just, I'm that bitch, <laughs> Roberta. I'm your biggest fan ever. Thank you. You embody class and professionalism. Thank you. You're Donna Sue, who has no clue impersonations are spot on. Ignore the trolls. Yeah, my Donna's imitation has become very, very controversial as, as well. Some people saying it's too much, they don't like it, and then other people saying they love it. So, yeah, Donna definitely, uh, you know, all we have on this side is, is our humor and our mocking of these people. We don't have these multi-million dollar budgets to spend on PR campaigns. You know what I mean? So I will use whatever tools I have at my disposal to get my point across. Mariposa, thank you so much for the $5 super sticker. Appreciate it. All right, back to Wendy Adelson and her testimony in Catherine McBanna was second 
trial. So this is her retrial. Amazingly, and I heard that this was that this was, excuse me, that it was one juror in the first trial that hung on Katie. And it really makes you think about Mr. Blood and who turned out to be an alternate in Charlie's trial being so pro-defense almost seemed like from the get-go. So what was going on there? And then we went to Miami because Danny had a job opportunity at University of Miami. It didn't come to fruition. He was not hired. And so we came back to Florida State. And so your husband had a job opportunity here at Florida State? Yes. Okay. And that's what brought you to Tallahassee? That's what brought us here. And you also had a job opportunity at Florida State. Is that right? That's right. What was that job? I worked at the FSU Center for Human Rights. And at first, I was a staff attorney. I used to represent victims of violent crime, uh, asylum seekers, and victims of human trafficking. And then I taught various classes at FSU Law School. Um, and Did you just hear what she said? She said she represented victims of violent crime. So that's criminal law. But later on, she'll say in Cross that she only took one class on criminal law and she doesn't know anything about it. I mean, she just picks whatever is convenient at the time. And she gets defiant. I mean, this whole testimony is defiant to go up when you have immunity and just lie so blatantly is really amazing. And then I ran something called a medical legal partnership. And how long did you do that? Uh, I was working at FSU for seven years. All right. So basically the whole time you were here in Tallahassee. When I wasn't a student, I was working for FSU. All right. When did you meet Dan Markell? Danny and I met, we met first online, and we met when I was starting my 2L year of law school. So that would have been 04, fall of 2004. When were the two of you married? We were married in February 2006. Do you have any children in common? We have two children. All right, both boys? Both boys. During the time that you moved to Tallahassee the, the second time to work here at Florida State, were you living with Dr. Markell the entire time as a... Thank you so much, Sharon. Eisenstein for the super sticker. You know what I think I did? I think I shared the wrong thing. I'm so sorry. I will go back to the one better with a better sound and move forward. Thank you guys for your patience. I appreciate it. Okay. And I will move a little bit forward and let's see where we are. And I went to that house. All right. Was that at the Aqua Ridge residence? Yes, it was. Just 3303 Aqua Ridge sound right? That sounds right. Okay. And that location is here in Leon County, right? Thanks. All right. And specifically on pages 43. Okay. The, all the pages should be numbered. Look through it as much as is needed to answer the following question. Does it appear to be a fair and accurate copy of your divorce file? I mean, from the front page, sure. 
Okay. Do you have, I mean, thumb through it a little bit and just see if there's any reason to dispute that that's your complete divorce file from the clerk's office. It's certified if you want to take a look at the certification. Okay. Thank you. All right, so I want you to take a look, if you would, at the petition that is on States Exhibit 59, pages 1 through 5. The one right on top? Yes, ma'am. Okay. The, all the pages should be numbered through, so I'm referring to one through five on the bottom right corner there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that was your petition for divorce, correct? Yes. And so this was, would you agree that this was a contentious divorce? I, I think it was... I think it was made much more difficult by Danny, who didn't want to get divorced, but sure, we can right. call it contentious. Not what we would classify as an amicable divorce. You hear about those. No, it would, it would be not an amicable divorce. All right. And part of what you were seeking in your divorce in these documents in front of you was permission from the court to move with your children to South Florida. Is that correct? That was part of the overall divorce proceedings. All right, and specifically on pages 43 through 50, there's a petition to include a request to be allowed to relocate with minor children. Is that correct? Yes. All right, and why were you seeking to move to South Florida? I was seeking a place that would be stable and permanent for the kids and me. Danny never planned on staying in Tallahassee. It's just a question of time before he moved to New York to be with his girlfriend or had dreams of being at Harvard. So Tallahassee was just a temporary stopping point. I wanted a place that was permanent for us where we had family support. And why did South Florida seem like a place of permanence to you? Right. I mean, because we had family support, uh, because I work in immigration, there were a lot of uh, career opportunities for me there. Are you from South Florida? I am. Okay, and when you say family support, what family resided there? Uh, my mother, father, and brother. Was the relocation to South Florida the most important part of your divorce? No. Was it your most non-negotiable term? No. Okay, but it was very important to you? Uh, I wouldn't say it was very important to me. It was, was it very important to your mother? She was much more looking forward to having her daughter and her grandchildren home. Yeah. yeah, by looking forward to it, you mean you mean Donna Adelson saying it's non-negotiable? It's the most important thing. Does anybody remember back to that episode? Inside the mind of Donald, Donna Adelson or in Charlie's trial, those emails where Donna is saying in capital letters, all caps <laughs> in, her, in her typed emails. The most important thing in your divorce is getting relocation. And it's really funny because she says that these kids will benefit from having, from having a supportive family and all the things that she, Donna Adelson can give the kids. It's, like they think so highly of themselves, forget the, forget and forget having, and how could Danny be so, forget anything else that anybody else wants, 
they are such a prize and can offer so much support to these kids. Barb Newman, thank you so much for the very generous super chat. Roberta, thank you for doing this excellent breakdown of this very enmeshed. Yes, you're welcome. And yes, that's a great word for it. Hot mess of a family. All great descriptors. You give a superb and very intelligent voice to this case. Thank you so much. So, yeah, if you've read those emails, you know. So Wendy knows that she can't deny that her mother, she goes, she was very much looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to it. Try obsessed with it, obsessed with your divorce, obsessed with doing psychological warfare. And she and she compares it to World War II, Donna does, on Dan Markell basically making his life so uncomfortable till he relents. And Dan Markell would not be bullied. If you would take a look for me at page 46, paragraph E, just read that to yourself and let me know when you've had an opportunity to read that. I read the first paragraph by E. Do you want me to read the second one? Uh, yes, please. Okay. I mean, she's so hostile and she's like, do you want me to read the second one? I'm extremely polite and likable witness. And I would never read the second paragraph without permission. But what I'm doing watching this is opening my eyes as widely as Wendy is in this testimony and parting my mouth slightly and tilting my head to the side and seeing how that feels. Is she really trying to hypnotize us? I don't know what. It is the weirdest feeling. Try it out. While you watch her, just imitate her and see how you feel. It is so odd. She does this in pretty much all of her testimony. This doll, eyes wide open, lips parted, head to the side. Look, it's so odd. And in those paragraphs, Ms. Adelson, is, are you alleging that Mr. Markell has created a hostile work environment for you at the Florida State University College of Law? He did during the period of time. Right, and was disparaging you to your colleagues. And if you'll take a look at pages beginning on 79, the document beginning on 79. And the question is, is this Mr. Markell's 23-page response to your motion to relocate? You're asking me, is this his? His response to your motion to relocate. Yes, it looks like it. All right. That's quite verbose. Would you agree with that? I imagine it is. At some point, Danny fired or alienated all of his attorneys and started doing his own legal work. So fair to say he was adamantly opposed to you taking his kids to South Florida. 
yes, he shared all of that here, which is different than the conversations we had, but this that's what he filed. This what he filed is what the judge uh, sanctioned him for. All yes. Right. And in that filing, I'm specifically referencing to page 82, where Markel states that the sole stated reason the wife seeks to relocate with the party's minor children is so she can be closer to her parents. My understanding is you, you don't agree that's why you wanted to move. It wasn't the sole reason why I wanted to move. But you do agree it was a reason. It was absolutely a reason. I wanted to create some stability for my kids and family, having family around helps have a more stable environment. Is it fair to say that your mother... Yeah, especially Donna. Don't you think when you think of stability, don't you think of Donna and Harvey Adelson? Don't you think of both of them? Such stable and loving people. Although people who were friends with the Adelson say that outwardly they were great. I can't, I mean, I find it hard to believe that the that they didn't show their character at least more than once, but that's what they were about, right? Being admired on the surface, their status. So maybe they could do a good imitation of a moral person. I don't know. Donna Adelson was following this divorce, these divorce proceedings pretty closely. She was definitely being a little bit over-involved. Yeah, she was pretty invested in your personal life. Is that fair to say? She is one of those moms, yes. All right. And we've talked about your mom, Donna Adelson. Who's your father? What is my father's name? Mm -hmm. Harvey Adelson. And where do Donna and Harvey live currently? They live in Miami. Right. And are you still very close with your parents? I am. All right. And do you still live in close proximity to your parents? I live about a 15-minute drive away. And where did they live at the time that Dan Markell was killed? They lived in Coral Springs, Florida. And were you close with your mom back around the time that you were living in Tallahassee? I was. And did she have a close relationship with your children as well? She did. Are your parents employed? Uh, right now, they are both retired. What about back in 2014? In 2014, they were both employed. How were they employed then? Then my father had a dental practice, and my mom was managing his practice. What's the name of the dental practice? Dr. Harvey Adelson, DDS. All right, does Adelson Institute ring a bell as well? Yes. How can she not? How do I know the Adelson Institute and Wendy doesn't? Is that just more like F you in your face? No, I just thought of it as Harvey Adelson DDS. It's like she, I don't know if she's trying to throw Georgia Kappelman off balance, but she doesn't, doesn't really work. This is the second trial and Georgia's ready, prepared for this nonsense, but it's only going to make the jury dislike you. People do not like being lied to, to their face. And no jury likes this. When it's so obvious that, that she's just, <laughs> I don't know, what do you call it? Just per committing perjury left and right, I'd call it. Or maybe a nicer way of putting it would be 
rewriting history, but she has to. And it's like the same thing I said last episode about the word choices. So when Georgia Kappelman asked her if she threw up on the table at Harvey's celebration dinner, right? This big family celebration dinner. She said, yes, I vomited on the table. Same thing that Charlie does. Did someone hold a gun to your head? No, no one held a firearm to my head. What's the difference? But they have to just change it slightly. Georgia Kappelman can't be right. Somehow by their word choice, they think it changes what really happened. Like maybe it's a reminder, like I was there and you couldn't know what really happened. I don't know. It's so odd. Tell me what you think. And do you know whether the practice there was successful, meaning lucrative? At one point it was, and um, what about not between, anymore. What about between 2013 and 2016? Was it lucrative at that time? Between 2013 and 2016, it was definitely, the business was doing better than it did after that point when the social media barrage happened. Um, Referring but, to this case? Absolutely. Okay. But previous to the murder, the Adelson Institute was earning approximately $2 million in profit each year. I have no idea what it was earning. I haven't the slightest idea, but. Do you know whether your parents amount. had other investments other than their work at the Adelson Institute? I don't know. You don't know if they own any properties? I know now that they own properties, but I didn't then. Okay. And do you know now that they owned properties then? I actually don't know when they acquired the properties, so I don't know. All right. Was your divorce impacting your family financially? So this is prior to the murder. and the It was certainly media. impacting me financially, but I, I don't think it was impacting the rest of my family. All right. How many lawyers did you have in your divorce? I had one, and then Danny accused her of ethical violations and stealing money, and so I had to hire a new attorney. Um, I think he had three or four. No, I was talking about you. So you had two. I had one and then I had to get another. Yes. All right. And who paid for those two attorneys? I did. Did your mom retire from the dental practice during the time of your divorce to facilitate her spending more time with the children? No, she didn't retire from the dental practice. She did helped me during the divorce and helped me with the kids. They were very small, but she didn't retire. She just worked for my dad. So it was okay if she took a leave of absence here and there. Did you discuss your marital problems and the resulting legal issues with your mother? I'm sure I did. Is it fair to say your mother is a controlling person? I think my mom is and was very invested in my life. I don't think of her as a controlling person. Is it fair to say around the time of your divorce that your mom did not like Dan Markell? I think that's fair to say. I think she was very disappointed by the way he treated me. In fact, she despised him, didn't she? See, it's not that they had a unnatural habit, uh, like hobby, as described by Jeffrey Lacoste, that it was the family hobby hating Dan Markell. It's that Danny's behavior was so bad that she that her mother was very disappointed as any mother would be thank you i'm i'm that bitch roberta we love you so much thank you so much 
Thank you. Thank you for reading my super chat. I feel like I just got a shout out from Beyonce. You rock. Thank you. Happy New Year. Thank you. That's very sweet. Very kind of you. And thank you, Yakira, for the super sticker. I appreciate it. Appreciate all the support, guys. Very touched. Okay, back to Wendy. Love to hear your thoughts as to why, what, what she's trying to achieve. I mean, I know she's trying to protect her family by lying and making it not look so bad. But if you know the emails are out there, it's like, why lie? Remember in Charlie's trial? No, was it the first trial or was it Charlie's trial where it was brought up her when she was dating Jeffrey Lacasse, her being on all those dating sites and talking to all those different people. And Georgia says a reminder that you had to hand over your phone. I think that was Charlie's trial. And she goes on and says, no, I don't remember. So she, it's just a technique that lawyers, defense lawyers tell witnesses to do because you can't be charged with, ha with having a bad memory, but you can be charged with perjury. So if you just say, I don't remember, that's the ultimate out. I can't speak to how my mom felt or whether she despised him. I think she was very disappointed. She sent you some emails to indicate her feelings about Dan Markell around that time, didn't she? She did. I'm going to show you what I've marked as States Exhibit 63. Ms. Kaplan, do you want me to read it? No, ma'am. Just take a look at those and tell me if you can authenticate them as emails um, that were sent to you from your mother. I can authenticate them. All right. So the Donna Harvey at gmail.com is your parents' shared email address. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And but these emails were coming from your mother based on the context. Is that right? Not your dad. I imagine they probably represented both of their feelings. They've been married 51 years, so sometimes my mom speaks for my dad. Okay. All right, so there's one. So we're to believe that Harvey Adelson was equally on board with converting the kids to Christianity to get Wendy to move down to Miami and for the kids to be dressed up in Hitler youth outfits. Okay. Well, was she just throwing her dad under the bus there unnecessarily? I don't know. Odd, right? Or is it supposed to mean, sounds more like they're just been married for so many years because I come from such a stable, a family that you would envy that of course they're one now. Their two souls are one. I believe it's on top there, dated May 3rd, 2013. Was that about three months before your divorce was finalized? My memory is that our divorce was finalized in June 
2013. So okay. wouldn't that just be one month before? I had July 31st, so. Okay. Whatever is your memories. So, okay, it was, this was May and our divorce was finalized in July then. I just want to talk a little bit about the emails that are in front of you there. So on that first email dated May 3rd, 2013, page one of five, and the second real paragraph, does your mother indicate that the most important Objection. part of your divorce is Objection. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second, Ms. Kaufman. I don't believe this item is in evidence, John. The items have not been admitted into evidence at this point, Ms. Kaufman. Correct. All right, so I don't want you reading from them if they haven't been admitted into evidence. All right, Ms. Adelson, did your mother indicate to you that to her the most important part of your divorce objection. is relocation? That's sustained. Okay, Judge, at this time, I would ask to approach. Sidebar the witness. Sidebar. Oh, I'm All right, Ms. Adelson, what was the most important part of your divorce to your mother? You're asking in reference to the email or not in reference to the email? Not in reference to the email. So just in general, what yes. to her, it was probably for me to be safe and be in a stable situation with the boys. Okay, would it refresh your recollection to take a look at the emails in front of you, Stacey's exhibit, which are marked as Stacey's exhibit? Here she's doing it again. It says in capital letters, the most important part of your divorce is to relocation. All caps, you can't miss it. You can't miss it, Wendy. Oh, her trial is going to be so interesting. And it, I'm just so curious to see if what they do, if they go down a perjury route or if they don't and they just try her and my nightmare is that it's gonna that they try her she gets convicted and it gets undone somehow that and then we and then wendy writes another book <laughs> maybe i've seen this one too many times and does an innocence tour all over all over the country because the media is so happy to jump on board with those with those you never see and they'll just do one softball interview after another how bad was it for you in prison wendy etc cetera, etc cetera. dan markell forget dan markell now wendy's the victim that's what i'm afraid of so i you know i don't know what's more nightmarish is it more nightmarish that the end of the line in this case is donna or is it more nightmarish? The end of the line is Wendy. Wendy gets convicted. They successfully try her and that Wendy undo it. Let me know what you think. The 63. If I look at it, she's saying- Hold here, on a second. Just review just, it, okay? Um, if you'd read to yourself the about the first half of that second real paragraph. 
Just review it to yourself, and then Ms. Kaplan ask you another question. Here, I'll review it for you. The most important part of your divorce is relocation, relocation, relocation. Okay, Wendy, that's it. I've reviewed it for you. Can we move on? You know it. I know it. Everybody who's looked at those emails knows it. There's nothing to review. The Your act is over. Let's move on. All right. Does that refresh your recollection about what your mother felt was the most important non-negotiable term of your divorce? It does. Okay. And what was that? That was relocation. And did your mother, I think you said she was very unhappy with him. Did you agree that she despised him? I really, I can't speak to whether my mom despised him or didn't. She was very, very disappointed with the way he treated me. Okay, and did you ever call him names? I don't remember her calling him names. Would it refresh your recollection to take a look at the emails for that? I'm happy to. Okay, if you'll take a look at uh, page one, about halfway down. Just read those few sentences there, and then I will draw your attention to page two when you're ready. Actually, you know what? She generally referred to him as like the F word, gibbers. He thinks he's so great. Everything that he does is so important. Harvard this, Harvard that. But mo mainly the one I remember is stupid is another one. There, there, I, I've, I've refreshed your memory. What, for refreshing purposes, I'm going to approach... draw your attention to the same items highlighted in green. If you'll just look at those to yourself and then flip through and look for those items highlighted. Okay. Do you want me to flip through the whole thing? No, uh, go through and just to yourself. Look at the items. Not for nothing, but she's wearing the same outfit that she wore in the first trial. And the reason I think she did that is so that people couldn't tell when they're reviewing the footage, but you can, thanks to her frizzy hair, that kind of gives it away, whether it was from the first trial or the second trial, so it would look like she only testified once. That's my theory on it. It's a lot to expect. Did your mom ever refer to your husband as an asshole? Yes. A bully? Yes. A zealot? A religious zealot, yes. A jackass? Yes. A religious zealot as opposed to the other kind of more positive zealot. 
like a, a zealot for Chinese food or something else. Like, like zealot would be used in, is regularly used in any other kind of context. A religious extremist. Yeah. Uh, what about gibbers? What it, she calls him gibbers. Yeah. Gibbers is not a bad name. It was a silly name that I came up with during a period of time when I felt incredibly terrorized by Danny. And so it was a word that I would use to kind of make him seem less scary. Is it fair to say that it was a derogatory term? No. Okay, but you came up with it directly in relation to him terrorizing you. I did. It was a way to take the steam out of a situation I found scary. I wouldn't say it was derogatory. I just think it was. And when you say scary, are you alleging physical abuse? I'm not alleging physical abuse. All right. Another part of Donna's emails is where she says, don't forget to kind of talk up this idea that Dan was emotionally abusive to you. And I think it, I think that this family thinks that not getting their way every time is emotional abuse. They seem to have a very low standard for abuse. What types of things did your mother suggest that you could do to try to um, coerce or acquire the ability to relocate your kids to Miami? She suggested that I could change their religion. Of who? Of my children. And why would that affect the relocation effort? Because religion was so important to Danny that that would be that would be a real hot button thing. Okay. And did she ever suggest that you could bribe your husband to allow the relocation? She did. And how much money did she suggest that she and the family would be willing to put up for such a bribe? So I just saw the bribe reference, but I didn't see the amount. If you want to I show me, I will refresh you on that. In just a moment to find it myself. Overruled. Okay. How much money was your family willing to put up to bribe Dan Martel to let you move to They said that they would go as high as a million dollars, which would be three hundred and thirty-three thousand each. And who are the each? My mom, my dad, and Charlie. Just curious, I have two brothers, but I am not paying any money for their their divorce, no matter how contentious, not not that, well, actually, one of my brothers has had a, a, a divorce, but I would pay no money, no money. It's so cult-like and enmeshed, this family, that they're going to all put in, they're all going to share in this bribe. And of course, Donna and her emails like, of course, we wouldn't tell them. Of course, of course, we wouldn't tell them that we're willing to go up to a million. They're trying to save money with their bribe. 
We're going to start low. We're going to low ball them first, right? So funny. Did Charlie, you mentioned he also lived in South Florida. Was he employed at the family dental practice? He worked there sometimes. And what type of work did he do? He is a periodontist, so he would sometimes do um, implants or surgery for people. Did your motion for relocation get granted or denied by the court? It was denied by the court. So you were not legally permitted to move to Miami? No. Did you have an alternative? You mentioned previously that there was a hostile work environment at Florida State University as a result of your husband did, or your ex-husband at this point, were you caught, was the failure to be able to relocate, did that cause you to remain in that environment? It did. For how long? Um, I don't remember the date that the petition to relocate was denied. If you could show me the binder, I can. I could. Find the date. And I'll draw you to pages 262 and 263 in the binder. Oh. Okay, so the order was on June, no. It was June 20th, 2013. So I was still working at the law school through July 2014. So I stayed for one more year. Okay. And it was subsequent to his death that you were able to find new employment that was in a less hostile work environment. Is that accurate? I mean, eventually after his death, I found new employment. It took me a little while. Okay. How long did you stay in Tallahassee after your husband was killed? Ex-husband, sorry. stayed a couple of days. Um, and then after I had asked the police for protection at the funeral or in my home and they refused, I decided to just go for a couple of days and spend a few days away from Tallahassee. And then this case hit CNN and hit the media. And I so didn't I don't mean safe. to interrupt you, but the question was, how long did you stay in Tallahassee after your husband was killed? I'm sorry, Ms. Kaplan. I stayed for a few days. Thank you. All right. So how did your mom take the news that you were not going to be able to relocate? She was very upset. One moment, please. 
All right. I want to talk a little bit about the litigation that continued after your divorce was final. Was there a motion to enforce the marital settlement agreement and hold Markel, Dan Markel, in contempt of court filed by you? Yes. And a few months later, did he respond with a counter motion to enforce the marital settlement agreement's final provisions, alleging some violations that he said you made on the marital settlement agreement? Yes. And these filings are pretty venomous. Is that a fair characterization? Not on, not on my part. Well, on both your parts, right? No, ma'am. Okay. And he accuses you of various things lying about your financial affidavit and things like that, would you agree? He does make those accusations. They were completely baseless, but yes. And oh, did you did in the pleadings is the tennis racket mentioned as something to fight over? <laughs> And I, um, I can draw your attention to that page in line if you need it. I imagine it could have been. You can draw my attention if you like, and I can confirm. Okay, but no reason to argue about the fact that a tennis racket is mentioned specifically in your divorce documents. I mean, that sounds like some of the nonsense that we argued over, sure. Okay. And Was there a motion? I want to draw your attention specifically to this motion. It's on page 441 of that document in front of you, Exhibit 59. This motion was filed by Dan Markell on March 26th of 2014, so shortly before his death. I see it. Okay, what was that motion? Former husband's counter motion for enforcement of MSA on parenting issues and motion for contempt and sanctions. And in that motion, did he allege that you were violating the marital settlement agreement in a variety of ways? Yes, it looks like he did. Including failing to facilitate communication between he and the boys, failing to keep him informed of where his kids are, Failure to communicate about parenting decisions like the kids' schooling, diet, and extracurricular activities, things like that. Yes, that looks right. And was he, as part of this motion, seeking to enjoin you from allowing your mother to have time with the children that was unsupervised by another adult? I am not seeing that right now, but I can continue reading through okay, it. Okay, take your time. Actually, oh wait, still going. Is this a question that you need refreshing on? Did, did your husband make these allegations? You don't have an independent recollection of that? I don't have an independent recollection. Okay. I made a lot of allegations that weren't true, so I need All to right. look through to figure out which ones we're talking about. Okay. Okay, I see it. I see what you're referencing. All right, so in that filing, Dan Markell alleges that your mother is disparaging him to the children, correct? That is correct. And he was seeking a court order saying she couldn't have contact with the kids unless there was another adult present. 
correct? I see that here. I don't think I took it seriously at the time, so it didn't really lodge in my memory. Did but your I, mom take it seriously? No. Was it ever ruled on? I don't know. If it were, it should be here, right? Yes, ma'am. Is it here? No, it's not. It was scheduled to be ruled on in August of 2014, right? I don't know, right? I don't know when it was scheduled for. I, knew, I do know that nobody took it very seriously. Okay, so your mom wasn't worried about that that motion being granted. Okay. She just wrote like a million emails on it. You, nobody was concerned. Just Jeffrey Lacoste said that I was totally upset, wanted to talk about it all the time. Every time there was issues coming up with these filings. My whole world revolved around it, basically. <laughs> but nobody was concerned. Let me rewrite history. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your brother. You can just sort of close that binder and leave it in front of you if that's okay. How old is your brother, Charlie Adelson? Uh, he is 45. Is he your older or younger brother? I have two older brothers, so he is one of the two older brothers. Are you closer to one more than the other? Yes. Which one are you closer to? Charlie. And has that always been the case or just since this case? No, it's not since this case. Um, I think when we were kids, uh, I was probably closest to my oldest brother. And then after getting to be an adult myself around my 20s, I was probably closer to my middle brother. Around the time of 2013 and 2014, were you closer to Charlie at that time? I would say so. All right. And are you aware of any connection at any time between your brother, Charlie, and any gang members? No. Did your brother use drugs? He did, yeah. What type of drugs did he use? Marijuana. Okay, what else? I don't know of anything else. Okay. And do you know where he got the drugs from that he used? I don't. Was he a recreational marijuana user or was he a drug dealer? I would say he was a recreational marijuana user. Was this something he did every day or just occasionally? I don't know how often. I don't know if it was every day, but I do know that the pain of the last few years has led him to do some self-medicating. Okay, but I'm really speaking. So look at the look at the similarities. So she was forced to give Danny the horrible, Dan Markell, the horrible nickname of Jibbers because he was so awful to her. And her brother was forced to self-medicate because the press, I think that's what she means, because that's what she was going on and on, was so terrible. And all the false allegations that the Adelson family were somehow involved in Dan Markell's murder made him self-medicate. So this family is completely reactive. Everything is done to them. And anything that might be viewed as negative is only a reaction to the horrible treatment by everybody else. What a deny, attack, reverse victim, offender, Darvo technique is that? They're always the victim, never the offender. Speaking of the time frame, I should have clarified 2013 to 2014. I don't know if he was using any drugs during that time. 
that you became aware of it subsequent to the incidents that we're here about today? That's right. Okay. <clears throat> were you aware that your brother, I think you testified he sometimes worked at the Adelson Institute. What did you mean by that? Where else does he work? So he is a periodontist and he has kind of a traveling practice of sorts. So he would work in various doctor's offices throughout Broward, Dade, and Palm Beach counties. And so sometimes he would work from my dad's practice, but sometimes he would work from different offices. I, I don't know how often he worked at which one. I just know he worked at very Right. He was very busy. That was one of their actual techniques that they were going to do is say that, I think it started, say that Charlie Adelson was too busy as a periodontist. And you can see in Donna's emails that she's floating that in all the time. Tell the judge that your father's a doctor and that your brother's a doctor, a dentist, very important people, always using their status. Thank you so much, Jackie C., for a very generous super chat. Wendy's expressions and eye blinkings and head tilting reminds me of the Stepford wives. Absolutely. It's so bizarre. It's so doll-like and weird. Is, is it to look so is it to look non-aggressive? And is that the point of Miss Miss Kappelman? Do you want me to read? paragraph one and paragraph two, like she's a student, like, excuse me, like raising her hand, excuse me, Ms. Kappelman, am I supposed to read paragraph one and paragraph two out loud to the class? I mean, it's so odd as an adult, but I think that's the point, right? To look non-aggressive and maybe, I don't know, is she trying to turn on some of the jury? I have no idea. It's so weird. I don't think I've ever seen this before. Maybe the closest is Jody Arias, very much like Jody Arias, who is also hypersexual and seductive in her style. Various offices. All right. So I asked you, I'm sorry to change topics on you so much, but previously we were talking about your two brothers. Is your other brother, not Charlie, but your other brother, is, is he located here in Florida? He is not. All right. And back in 2014, was he living in another state? He lived in Gainesville for a while. I'm trying to remember in 2014 if he was in Gainesville. I, I don't think so. I think he was in another state. All right. So been in another state throughout this the, the incidents we're here about. Today. I believe so, yes. Okay. All right, now back to what we were talking about with your brother Charlie's practice. So he travels around to different dentist offices and performs a specific service like on a contract basis. All right, and are you aware that he does that type of work or offers a discount for that type of work if his customers pay in cash? I'm not aware of that. Are you aware of your brother carrying large amounts of cash? He did sometimes carry more cash than I would, but not like big sums of cash. No. And did you observe the cash that he carried to be stapled together in packs? No, I never saw staples. Has your brother ever been married? No. 
How would you describe the kind of lifestyle your brother was enjoying back around the time of these incidents, 2013, 2014? I think he lived a bachelor lifestyle, very different than mine. Um, would enjoy nice restaurants, had lots of girlfriends. Not a lot well. of responsibilities. Not a lot of responsibilities. A lot of girlfriends. You say not a lot of? A lot of different girlfriends. Always a different girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, Always a different girl. A different girl. Like he's 16. <laughs> different woman. He dated a lot of different women. How about that? Yeah, he was living a bachelor lifestyle. Totally inappropriate for his age. And, and the rest of his friends, but okay. And you see that kind of really, even in his trial and his attitude towards the verdict with Charlie, this really, what would you call it? Sophomoric, non-evolved, juvenile. Those would all be adjectives that I would use. Completely dependent. And I understand being dependent on the people that are going to stick by you. And I would imagine this family has become really insular because they all share, I believe, a hand in this murder. So, of course, that's going to bring you closer together because you can't, no one else is living that reality except for Katie. And it, and it makes sense now to me to think as to why Charlie said on the stand that his relationship with Katie got closer after the extortion, because after he, she extorted him, which was so hilarious to me, but really in reality, he probably felt like Katie, his mother, his father, and Wendy were the only people who could understand his paranoia. It's gotta be, it's gotta be, I don't know, They. it's gotta be very anxiety making to think that you could be arrested or taped or at any minute you could be caught. Who is Jerome Obed? He is uh, a person who used to live with my brother. Do you know the time frame that he lived with your brother? I remember I introduced him to his current wife, and that was maybe 2011. So maybe during the period, I don't know how much I can tell you he was living with them that year, mm -hmm. um, but I don't know for how long before or how long after they lived together. They were friends, though. Oh, so you, okay. So you can't tell us whether he was living with your brother in the 2013-2014 time frame that we're I, here about. I don't remember. And is uh, Mr. Obed also a doctor, a dentist? He is um, a dermatologist. Dermatologist. Thank you. All right. And your brother, we were talking about his lifestyle and the girlfriends. Does he also drive fancy cars? He does. <clears throat> Including a Ferrari? <clears throat> Yes. All right. And were you aware of his one of his girlfriends by the name of Catherine Magdalena? Yes. Did you ever have the opportunity to meet that particular girlfriend? Yes. We met maybe two or three times. Two or three times? Do you recall what the occasions were? There was one time we had dinner when I was in town, which is 
what I did every time I'd come to town and have dinner with my brother and a different girl. Um, and then one time I went to the beach for an hour or so, and she and a friend of hers joined us. Okay. And was there a third time? I don't actually remember a third time. All right. So was there anything special about this girlfriend in terms of her relationship with your brother? Did they seem closer or more serious? It didn't seem serious. Did, were you off-put by Ms. McVanna for any reason? Did she seem, like, different from... There was nothing different about her except that she was extorting my brother in a way that he could only tell my mother and didn't tell me. I mean, how ridiculous was that defense? So, Lori, Gregory says, um, did you know Wendy filed for a motion to enforce marital settlement against Dan on October 31st, 2013, that morning, and Charlie asked Katie to hurt someone if she knew someone who would hurt someone at a Halloween party on October 31st, 2013. So same day. Interesting, Lori. Interesting, interesting. No, I didn't know that. Interesting coincidence. On the ordinary trail of women that came through his life. She seemed perfectly nice. Did you bond with her in a special way? Did you have a different type of relationship with her than you had with any of his other girlfriends? No, I mean, if anything, I'd say I'd been closer to other girlfriends. I only met her twice. What about her ex, Sigfredo Garcia? Were you aware of him at all before this case? No. So you didn't even know she had an ex? I knew she had an ex because my brother once mentioned that he was dating a girl and she had an ex that seemed a little scary. And I said, maybe you should stay away from that. Yeah. And so the ex, did you have specific knowledge about why he was a little scary? No. And did Catherine McVanawa ever tell you anything that was specifically scary about him? No. Did Were you aware of your brother having any communications with the scary ex-husband? No, only that my brother seemed a little scared of him, but I don't know that they talked or didn't talk. So it would be surprising to you to learn that they had a relationship. Very. What about your ex-husband, Dan Markell? Did you ever know him to be involved with any type of drug activity or gangsters, anything like that? No, Danny consulted on criminal law cases. So Mm -hmm. I do remember there being a case involving Orthodox rabbis that were engaging in some very um, violent activity. And Mm -hmm. that had me concerned. But other than that, no. Yeah, this is so interesting. So this is a case that actually, one more odd coincidence. So the lawyer who worked on this rabbi case, so what these rabbis were doing were basically torturing people so that women could get, so that in the Hasidic community, so that women could get a divorce. So families would hire these rabbis, give money to these rabbis, and they'd go and get really violent with these husbands because, of course, when women wanted divorces, to get a get, it's called in in that community. And the defense lawyer was Mark Agnafello, who was Keith Ranieri's defense lawyer 
So the, the Rashbaum for these rabbis was Keith Ranieri's lawyer, Mark Agnafello, very high price lawyer that Danny Markell was working with. So he was working with the defense on this case. So why didn't Wendy ever bring up in her police questioning, you know, Danny was working on this very high profile case with these rabbis. I mean, it's a much better suggestion than it's Amy Adler, Jonathan Adler, the designer's sister, who not for nothing is really, really like a bombshell law teacher law professor at NYU and their relationship was going very well. She was saying it was maybe her ex-husband, of course, and, and Jeffrey Lacoste. Those were, that's what she came up with. I'm just so curious why she didn't float out that Dan Markell was working with these on this very high profile case. It was a, it made the papers in New York. Not in his personal life. No. Okay. Was your brother Charlie or is your brother Charlie protective of you? Yes. Yeah. Did you discuss your marital problems with him back during the time of 2013, 2014? I did. Is it fair to say that in the time frame leading up to the murder of your ex-husband that your brother did not like your ex? I think it's fair to say. I mean, I also think it's fair to say he wasn't particularly concerned with it. He was leading his own life and not really focused on mine. But your mom was really focused on yours. My mom was was focused on mine. And your mom was in the ear of your brother quite a bit, same as she was with you, right? I don't know about how much she was in his ear or not. Did your brother ever mention hiring a hitman to kill your ex-husband? He never mentioned hiring a hitman. He told one bad off-color joke where he said he had bought me a TV when I got divorced and said it was a present and made a, a very bad joke and bad taste that it was cheaper than hiring a hitman. And was but that? No, he... Oh, come on. That joke is so old. It's such an old joke. Who hasn't told that joke? Did you guys hear that in the, in the jailhouse tapes from Donna? Who hasn't told that joke with a different object? It, inserted i bought you this instead of because it was cheaper than hiring a hitman so it seems like that's donna taking credit for this old hackney joke that they were going to float out as a kind of alibi nobody would admit to making that joke if they were truly guilty of doing this a guilty of murder of murder of murder so yeah he just made one very significant, oddly coincidental joke. Strange that's something Charlie didn't complain about from his jailhouse calls. Right? No, actually, he did complain about it, right? I just I was going to say it's because it had to do with him, but he did complain about it that Georgia put significance to it. But really, it was an alibi, I think, clearly. Same in the same way that she spent she says six hours with the police only to never talk about them again. But we'll get to that on cross. It's so good. This cross is so good. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. 
I'm sorry, I cut you off. What else were you gonna say? I, I think that was that. All right, was that a joke that your brother made one time or more than one time? He has a tendency to repeat himself. So everything he says, he says multiple times. Do you know how many times he said it? I have no idea, but definitely twice at least. And it was your understanding that he had not made any actual efforts to hire the hitman? Yes. But you did get a TV as a divorce present. I did get a TV. Well, that is truthful testimony. We know now from the jailhouse tapes that Charlie does repeat himself. And he goes around in circles and circles and circles and circles over the same points over and over and over again. How many times do you think in reality he would tell a joke like this if it were a natural joke and not an alibi, I wonder? How many times does he tell his jokes if they can be compared to how many times he complained about the same things about his trial? The jury was terrible. The people of Tallahassee are terrible. Georgia Kappelman is terrible. Georgia Kappelman's closing was terrible. She dumbed down coincidences, the autopsy pictures. I mean, I can just name them off of the top of my head because I've heard them so many times. So if this were a real joke, how many times do you think he would repeat it? I'd say 50. That would be my guess. Let me know what you think. Was there a dinner, a time when you went out to dinner with your brother after the murder where you vomited at the table? That that happened. It's just yes or no. Well, would you like to know the context? It did happen. Okay. And who, who was present at that dinner? Just my brother and me. Okay. And that was kind of your first time out after this murder had occurred, right? After it happened, I couldn't eat for several weeks, and then I was completely terrified to leave my house. See, now she wants to give context. So that was one of Charlie and Donna's big complaints, is that all the audio tapes were taken out of context, and the Dolce Vita recordings were taken out of context. Interestingly, the jury totally rejected any kind of context that they wanted to add to it, i.e. the extortion. But what kind of context would make those statements not damning? That's my question. What kind of context would you need besides your terrible extortion defense that no one who's lived on planet Earth buys? That's my question. But here again, she's victim Wendy. Oh, oh no, I went all the way back. Sorry, guys. Oh, so annoying. What type of work did he do? He is um, way, way back. Sorry, guys. Were you aware of his one of his girlfriends by the name of Catherine Magdalena? Yeah, oh, wow. I'm way by. We're way into this. Sorry. I have no memory of ever doing that. I don't think so. So it wasn't like you had become girlfriends or had an independent relationship with her. Oh, well, we're way into this. Sorry, guys. He's telling me Whitney is trying to get back together. With I don't think we're this far. Hold on, I'm going to take a break and go um, 
cue this up. Sorry, guys. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. One flick of the wrist and you're in nowhere's land. Okay. I'll take a quickie break and I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. If you are enjoying this episode of my true crime report, please hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel and share this episode. Get access to exclusive podcasts and other bonus content by becoming a patron today. If you have a question or comment for me, shoot me a super chat and I'll do my best to answer it and read it on air. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. All right, guys, I think I'm just going to have to play something else for you. How about from Murder by Maestro while I still I'm still queuing this up. This is actually I'm going to play from the society page mapping um, how how Wendy drove by the crime scene. I'll be with you in a sec. Many, one of the routes is the one depicted here by the red line, which would have taken her up Centerville Road and then over to Thomasville and down to Mosaic. 
what time would she have been in the area of Trescott Drive when she's on her way from home to ABC? Well, again, I would say sometime between 1235 and 1247 or 1249 for sure at the uh, absolute because she would have been in the store at that point um, for the transaction. And did you make any stops between leaving your residence and going to the liquor store? Did I, maybe I purchased gas? Uh, I don't know if you did or not, but I'm referring to your visit to the crime scene. I did not visit the crime scene. Okay. You did not pull up to the crime scene tape on Trescott Drive? No. I was driving on Centerville Road and sometimes I would take the shortcut through Trescott. Yes, ma'am. But when I was driving on Centerville Road, I saw some sort <laughs> of tape or obstruction and so I didn't turn. Okay. On the way to run your errands, did you go by the crime scene? No. On the way to run your errands, did you encounter a roadblock on Trescott? I did. All right, so you did turn off of Centerville onto Trescott. I did. I was running errands, I was meeting some friends for lunch, and I drove up Trescott because it's the shortcut. You did not pull up to the crime scene tape on Trescott Drive? No. All right, and when you encountered a roadblock, what did you assume the problem was there? I figured it was just an electrical storm or something. There was some, some tape um, and it looked like the road was blocked off. And so I just turned around and went back and went up Benton. And had there been an electrical storm that morning? I didn't remember an electrical storm, but in the summertime, there's always trees falling and rainstorms, so. Did you go to the crime scene or very near the crime scene on your way from your residence to, I guess, to lunch or to wherever you were going next? No, I did not. So you never turned on Trescott Drive that day? I went to turn on Trescott Drive, but I saw that it had been blocked off by some tape. And so I just kept driving on Centerville. I was running errands. I was meeting some friends for lunch and I drove up Trescott because it's the shortcut. You did not pull up to the crime scene tape on Trescott Drive? No. On the way to run your errands, did you go by the crime scene? No. On the way to run your errands, did you encounter a roadblock on Trescott? I did. All right, so you did turn off of Centerville onto Trescott. I did. Okay, and when you, you had to turn around at the tape, right, to go back out? I think I tried to turn right and it couldn't turn, so it would have made like a the kind of turn, like a K-turn, and kept going. Was there a roadblock there with... There was tape. Yeah, and an officer was there? I didn't a, see an officer, but I did see a car. A, a law enforcement marked mm -hmm. vehicle? Okay, did you have any contact with the officer? No. All right, so can you explain for the jury where the roadblock was that you were positioned out at the crime scene? So that blue dot right there is the victim's residence. I would have been somewhere right in that area. All right, so you noticed this vehicle or a vehicle identical to this one approach your position? Yes, ma'am. What did the vehicle do when it approached your position? Uh, just stopped pretty quick and turned around and headed back in the other direction. Did you do anything after that to try to find out what was going on down that roadway? No, I just assumed it was weather or maybe a tree fell.
Okay, that was a collaboration with Jibber's channel, too. Excellent channels. Highly recommend you subscribe to them. So it's Jibber spelled with a G-H-I-B-E-R-C-Z. And the Society page, two great channels, illustrate perfectly why Wendy's story of driving by the crime scene that she, according to Wendy, she didn't drive by the crime scene is so unbelievable. Okay, now we are back to, found where I was. We are back to Wendy testifying about vomiting on the table or throwing up, depending on who's speaking. Here she, in this trial, she's much more open about vomiting on the table and wanting to give the context to it. And it's, of course, a context that makes Wendy the victim, just strangely by a coincidence. And that was kind of your first time out after this murder had occurred, right? After it happened, I couldn't eat for several weeks. And then I was completely terrified to leave my house. So this was the first time I tried to leave the house and eat food. And that is how it ended up. I threw up. At the dinner table? Mm -hmm. In a restaurant? Yes, it was very embarrassing. How long after the murder was, was that incident? Probably about a month or so. Was the dinner intended to be a celebration of the fact that your husband was murdered? Absolutely not. Did your brother refer to it as a celebration? I highly doubt that. Could that have been one of his jokes that was in bad taste? He may have been celebrating the fact that I was willing to leave the house. All right. Were you involved in the plot to kill your husband? Absolutely not. Did you have knowledge of the plot to kill your husband? No. But you suspected that your family was involved? No, I did not suspect that my family was involved. Did you mention in your... Wow, look at the way she denies that. It's the same way she denies driving by the crime scene, almost identical. I'd love to put those side by side. So odd. And her brother, Charlie, is celebrating her getting out. She's, he's calling it a celebration dinner because she left the house. When does he ever think about anyone else? Even this planning this murder was a way to get credit for himself and his mother's love, I think, or attention and get to be seen as the family leader instead of the Fredo that he was in this family. I think Georgia Kappelman and his, her awesome clothing called him part black sheep. What was the other part? Part play, wait, part black sheep? Was it part playboy or what was it? I can't remember the other part. Let me know in the comments if you remember. Our interview with law enforcement, did you suspected that your family could be behind this? I think I speculated about lots of things during the six hours I spent with law enforcement without an attorney present trying to help them solve this murder. Yes, I thought all kinds of things. All right. And one of the things you said was that your family very much disliked him and that you thought it was possible that someone had done this on your behalf, unbeknownst to you. I did say I thought someone might have done this on my behalf, yes. And who did your brother know that had connections that could get something like that done? I have no idea. Thank you so much, Turquoise Kitten. Great name. 
mama's boy and a, a lot of you are getting it a lot of you bet much better memory great great description by georgia kappelman part black sheep part mama's boy boy most disturbing kind of mama's boy all right i hope you're ready for a long one this is gonna be a long one tonight do you know Catherine magbanawa i have met Catherine magbanawa twice as i mentioned she was your brother Charlie's girlfriend at the time of this murder, wasn't she? Objection so. has to answer. There may have been other girlfriends. Objection. Wait a second. Okay, now answer the question. Specifically at the time of the murder, Catherine McBanoa was your, your brother's girlfriend at that time, correct? I think so. Okay. And can you identify her? You mentioned you've been to the beach with her on one occasion and dinner on another occasion. Do you see her in the courtroom? I, I do. Could you please point her out and describe what she's wearing? She is, um, she is sitting over here. She has on a striped blouse and a blazer. Let the record reflect the witness has identified the defendant. You mentioned that your brother Charlie had a lot of girlfriends. Did you meet all of his girlfriends? I highly doubt I met all of them, but I, I met a lot of them. And specifically in reference to this defendant, did you talk to her on the phone ever separate from your brother? I have no memory of ever doing that. I don't think so. So it wasn't like you had become girlfriends or had an independent relationship with her. You only saw her secondary to visiting your brother twice on two occasions. I'm sure you states exhibit 35. Yes, I do. That was the second time we got together. It looks like the three of us at the <coughs> beach. So it's me, Katie, and one of her friends. Do you remember the friend's name? I do not. If I said it, would you be able to say yes or no? I wouldn't. Okay. And do you know when the photo was taken? I don't. My best guess is 2013 or 2014. Okay. One moment, please, Ryan. Okay. Do you recall going to Miami for Father's Day in June before right before Dan Markell was murdered? I don't have a strong memory of it, but it sounds like something I might have done to visit my dad. Okay, did you previously testify in reference to this same photograph or a similar photograph? Yes, I have. 
Okay, and did you testify at that Objection, time? Objection, Your Honor, improper impeachment. We'll, um, we'll, we'll return to it, Judge. All right, that's sustained. All right, and did you have any contact with this defendant since the murder in any kind of way, any communication? No. Did you have any contact with her in any way on the day of the murder? No. Do you remember what girlfriends came after Catherine Magdanois, as far as your brother's girlfriends? In order? <laughs> Just do your best. Um, I do. I mean, I I feel nervous about saying their names out loud just to why don't we just use first names then I remember Whitney okay after Whitney Whitney uh-huh it was rumor has it that there is a little name game that you can use to remember all Charlie's girlfriends a little bit like the president of the United States so <laughs> do, you, do you guys know those those memory games yeah I hear there's one for for Charlie's Charlie's girlfriends was Whitney a serious girlfriend I think Whitney was a fairly serious girlfriend all right and what about after her I'm blanking after Whitney do you remember June yes oh yes June was after Whitney Okay, and can you give me the basic time frame for Whitney? I just really remember how old my boys were, um, but I don't know how long she was in his life for. So maybe, maybe like 2014 to 2015 or 16, and then June after that, and I think on and off for a couple of years. And then he was together with the mother of his son, and that was probably 2017, 2018. Okay. I'm going to approach, would it refresh your recollection to look at some text messages to keep, so you could give me exact dates of when these women were in your brother's life? Sure. So help me understand, though, this is a message between. Uh, just take a minute and sort of take your time and look at oh, it. I'm using this to figure out who he was dating when? Yes. Okay. And you're just going to take a look at it and tell me if it refreshes your recollection. If you can't figure out what it is or it doesn't refresh, then let me know. Okay. All right. So it looks like he was with her, he was with Whitney in 2014, 2015. Okay, but the specific date? I mean, it just means that they're in touch with each other. It doesn't mean that they're dating. Okay. And when were they in touch with each other? 
Um, it looks like he's telling me Whitney is trying to get back together with him. In Objection, your honor. At this point, the witness is just testifying off the documents, All right. which we've only seen for a few seconds. I'm going to sustain that. Okay, I don't want you reading from the documents. What you need to do is take a look at them because it refreshes your recollection as to what the information that is being asked and testify to that. If, it, if you're just having to read from that document and you don't recall independently, then your answer is that you don't recall. Okay. okay thank you. Yes, my answer is the same as it was. I said 2014, 2015, and it looks like there's conversation around that. And so, okay, it's, it doesn't independently refresh. Okay, let's take a look at a couple more. Yeah. There are more questions. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's same. Okay. So odd as a lawyer that she would do that, that she would start reading off the documents. Was she trying to cue a objection there? Successful objection from the defense? So odd, right? 2014, 2015 for both of those women. Wait, both of those, it's the same woman, it's Whitney. Oh, I was also asking about June. Did Oh, I didn't see did, June in those text messages. Okay, when was he dating June? It's a, it's a guess, but I think it was <coughs> around the same time, maybe 2015, 2016. Okay, so is it your recollection that it went Magdanoa, then Whitney, then June? As far as people that I met. Okay. To show you what I've marked as states 36. Do you recognize state 36? I think I've seen this picture before. <coughs> and do you recognize the people in the picture? I do. Is it a fair and accurate photo of the folks in the picture? It looks like them back in the day. Yes. Okay. And do you know when the photo? I don't. All right. Who is in the photo? It's my brother and Katie. Your brother Charlie? My brother Charlie. Okay. And Katie, the defendant in this case? Yes, ma'am. All right. And is it fair to say this photo was taken during the time that they were dating? It definitely looks like it. And what was that time frame? I don't know the time frame of when they were dating. And what were they dating at the time of this murder? If we are I believe so. That. Okay. And is this how it appeared around that time? Is this accurate in your appearance? It seems so. Nobody has any, like, you know, weird facial hair or doctor. I don't know. It looks like I imagine they looked at that time. Okay. And you thought about that time, around that time, because you went to the beach and I did. Yeah. I mean, it's been eight years, so they looked different. 
They look different now? Yeah. Okay, but that probably makes sense. Probably, yeah. Any objection? One brief moment, Your Honor. Or any doctor. She says, I, I, it looks like nobody has any weird facial hair or any doctor. Is she talking about Katie's boob job there? Or is she talking about the photo being doctored? She just says doctor, and then she ends the sentence there. Odd. To be a stickler judge, but improper authentication. Overrule. It will be admitted as stage 36. Who's wrong? You may. I disagree with that. So that is that Katie, that's Katie after, right? After the the one breast job was paid for by Charlie Adelson, so generous. And did he pick which one he would which one he would pay for, the right or the left? I mean, how hilarious. I mean, you could not make these things up in this case. I mean, if there was a middle woman and I was making what Charlie Adelson made, I would do any, I would, I think I would purchase the whole thing to keep her happy. But apparently she only needed half <laughs> to keep her happy and a, a cruise and whatever else she, and her chunk of the blood money. Awful. What a soulless, you know, I was thinking about there was an interesting comment about Katie that was left about how she didn't think about anyone else's children. How she didn't think about Dan Markell's children, leaving them fatherless. She only thought about herself. And I was thinking about that Fargo, the end of Fargo, she, where the character says, isn't all for a little bit of money. That's what this was for her. All for a little bit of money. Same with Sigfredo Garcia. And Rivera sentencing Dan Markell's parents and friends to a life sentence of grief and their and his children just for a little bit of money. It's so sick. But I think for Do you know of any specific excuse me, I think for this family, there really isn't anything more important than status, money, power, getting revenge. Their values are just all wrong, all wrong. So when Francis McDormand asks in the end of Fargo, there's more to life than a little bit of money, not for this family. Gifts that your brother gave this defendant during their relationship? I don't. What about after their relationship? Do you want to after the conclusion of their relationship? 
I am not aware of any gifts between them. Were you aware that she was on the payroll at the Adelson Institute? I know that she worked at the at my dad's office for a while, so it, it would make sense that she was on the payroll. And what duties did she perform there? I have no idea. Okay, and when you say she worked there, did she physically went there? I really don't know. And did you ever work at the Adelson Institute? I did, between okay. my master's and my law degree. All I right, did and did you see Catherine Magbanawa there when you were working there? No, that was 2003. Wait, she worked there, but did you, she couldn't remember the name? She thought it was Harvey Adelson DDS. She couldn't remember the name of the Adelson Institute? Adelston Institute? That's hard to believe. Again, again. Most inconsistent testimony. How do you know that Ms. McVanawa worked at the Adelston Institute? How do I know? I'm trying to remember if I knew at the time or I found out later. Probably my brother would have told me that that Katie was working and that's how I would have known. All right, and was that before this murder or since the murder? I have no idea. You don't know the time frame she worked there? I don't know the time frame she worked there and I don't know why he would have told me. I didn't really, I wasn't very involved with the day-to-day -day operations of the office or what they did. Do you know if your brother had any other extra? That's very damning. So we know that Katie didn't work there that they were just producing checks for her as a way to funnel her money. So it, it once again confirms that she was a part of this conspiracy to murder Dan Markell. Of course, they can't use this testimony, but it confirms what we all know and feel. Friends on the payroll at the Adelson Institute? I don't know. All right, let's go to the day of Dan Markell's murder. What were you doing that day? I was at home that morning. I was working on a couple of pieces of writing. I was waiting. I remember the Geek Squad was coming to fix my television. I think was they that said, the same television that your brother had purchased for you as a divorce gift because it was cheaper than hiring a hitman? It was the television that my brother had bought for me. All right. And did your mother, Donna Adelson, arrange from Miami for the Geek Squad to come to your home that morning to fix no, the I TV? Didn't. Would it refresh your recollection to review some text messages regarding that issue? Well, then, second. Objection, Your Honor. Proper impeachment. The witness gave an answer. Overruled. Counsel, I take over. And I'm looking at the items in yellow, but I'm still hearing them through the whole box.
Yeah, I don't really understand. It's my best recollection that I set up the appointment for them to come. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this happens now where there's a different number on the account, so they call the wrong account. So they could have called my mom and she would have said, no, call my daughter. They need to confirm with you. Okay, but your mom does indicate that she is sending the guy. No, she indicates that she was called by Best Buy. Mm -hmm. So that means she was called by accident since they were coming to my house. Okay. And did you have an appointment scheduled in your calendar, fixed TV? You remember the text message, though, or email from Donna to Wendy is so odd. It's so overwritten. They're on their way to not, I got a call about the TV, a wrong call from Best Buy. It's like the guys are on their way. The appointment that I, it's like the appointment that I made for you that you're now denying on the stand and just saying it was a wrong call to Donna. These guys are on their way, which was of course code for Garcia and Sigfredo are on their way. But now she's going to deny it. I mean, this these directs are so useful because they confirm what we know. Anything sensitive, she's going to deny. Anything that makes her or her family look guilty, she's going to deny. But oddly, how is not knowing the name of the Adelson Institute at all <laughs> at all make her look guilty? It's so weird. Some of these things, I don't know if she just throws them in just to confuse everybody and keep everybody on their toes. I did. I thought they were supposed to come sometime between eight and and then they came pretty early, I think, nine or something like that. All right. And did you delete shown on the far right column there if you need to refresh your recollection, but did you did you delete that appointment to to have the T V fixed? I'm usually kind of uh O C D about this, so after I have a meeting, I'll delete it if it's done. I use my calendar kind of like a to-do list, so I'll have the meeting and then I'll delete it. Okay. So I must have deleted it once they arrived or... Yeah, that's what we all do with our calendars, our online calendars, is just delete everything because it's not at all damning or odd-making. We the people, thank you so much um, for the super chat. Has Wendy been seen anywhere? Is there anyone who has a sighting? Yeah, actually, I've had this. Funny you should mention this. She works at the time she was seen on video with her boss. Here she is with the people. And I have saved this screenshot for a little while. Hold on, let me take down your take down your super chat so I can see. So it's Jason from Vault Health. So she worked with him and she's seen for like a split second on this video. You can see her much better when you slow it. I had to slow it down to take a to take a snapshot. And I think couple episodes back, I played a video that's on Murder by Maestro's channel where she, in 2018, she's giving a speech about her bipartisan work for, 
oh, what do they call it now? Um, what do they call illegal aliens now? I, I gosh, the the euphemism is escaping me. Is it migrants? Is it? <laughs> I don't know, but that kind of stuff. She's working with nonpartisan. Uh, she says it's a nonpartisan cause, and that she met her first Republican in law school. Another thing I find hard to believe. So. Yeah, she's been around. She's not hiding. That's for sure. I would think if I were so scared that I had to change my children's names that I wouldn't be at those of hosting those of kinds of events. But Wendy's scared enough to change the kids' names, but not scared enough to pass off the event to a coworker. Sometime later. Okay. And right before the message that indicates... You know, that's from your mother that we just talked about, Best Buy called. Okay. There's a message that says, this is so sweet. Who objection, is that message Honor. to? Objection. Hold on. What's your objection? Hearsay, Your Honor. Item is in evidence. That's sustained. All right. Can you say who the, who that, who the message before the Best Buy message, who would, who did you send that message to? It looks like I sent that message to my brother. Your brother, Charlie? Yes. All right, and that message was deleted as well? I always delete my messages. But yes, it looks like I deleted it at some point. All right. And that message, what were you referring to in that message, if you know? I have no idea. But it was sweet, whatever it was. I mean, eight years ago, I have no idea what was sweet. A little duper's delight. So did Best Buy show up and repair the TV that morning? They showed up and they tried to repair the TV. But there was, I needed to make a call of whether it was worth repairing or whether I should just get a new one. The repair costs I remember being expensive. And this was, how old was the TV at this point? I don't know. I, I don't think it was very old, just a couple of years. She needed to make a call. Didn't she need to call Charlie right after that? and talk for 18 minutes, but now she's using the phrase, I needed to make a call, like I needed to make a decision. But we know that she made this really odd 18 minute call about this TV that was unfixable, that they couldn't fix. How does that call last for 18 minutes? Oh, uh, hi, Charlie, hi. No, they can't fix the TV. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that warranty, we paid for that extra warranty for nothing. Yeah, I guess so. What's the other 17 minutes, 45 seconds of that call? I think we all know. Years. Well, it was given to you as a divorce president at the time of your divorce, right? In 12? Right. So it wasn't that the TV was old. I think one of the kids had thrown something at the screen, so it cracked it. Okay. But the... Fix was done in 14, or the attempted fix. The attempted fix was in okay. 14. All right, so the repairman did show up that morning, correct? Yes. Okay. And you said you did not recall your mom making that appointment, but was it usual or typical for your mom to get involved in that type of minutia of your daily life? No. It would be unusual if she did that. I mean, it would not be unusual for her to try to help me with various things. So um, 
it doesn't sound out of the realm. So she messed up there. So if it's unusual that she helped you out, it could have to do with murder, murder. But she's going to say, um, but she's so used to lying that it's her just her default to say the opposite of anything that Georgia Kappelman wants to say. But so it's there is no good answer to that question, because if she says it's usual, then it's can be more it can be more easily seen that Donna meddles in her life, which is true and would be a co-conspirator along with Wendy and Charlie and Harvey, though that really can't be proven, and he's not a unindicted co-conspirator yet in this, that they all planned to murder Dan Markell together, conspired together, created this alibi. But if she says no, then we know that that's... <laughs> We know that that's not right. We know it's odd for her to say no when we've already seen the emails. So why is she saying no? This is the only thing that she meddles in? Just this? Just the thing that could be seen? So it's damning either way. There is no good answer to it. Realm of possibility, but I, I remember distinctly setting it up for that morning of sometime, you know, like when you wait for a repairman to come, they come in a window, they say between nine and one. I remember there being a window they had told me. And do you remember the specific window in this case? I keep thinking it was eight to 12, but I don't know if that's correct. Okay. And we're talking about 8 a.m., between 8 a.m. and noon. And you agree that your husband, ex-husband, sorry, I keep doing that, was murdered between 8 a.m. and noon. I don't know the exact time of when it happened. Really? Between 8 a.m. and noon? Yes. I mean, yes, but I thought it was closer to 10 or 11. Okay. But the question was, was it between 8 a.m. and noon? Yes, it was between 8 a.m. and noon. All right. And did you leave your residence at all that day after you got the TV or the TV man came? After the TV repairman came, I did a little bit more work from home. I talked to a couple of friends. And then I made... Um, I made plans to have lunch with two friends that I frequently saw on Fridays. So she's going to pretend that she doesn't know when the time that Danny was shot was. So that is damning too. You're, you don't remember that? I remember to the minute when my dad died. To the minute. And she's not going to remember? jury would be highly suspicious of, of an answer like that. Not that they can use it against her. She has a, has a limited use immunity, so they can't, they can't use that. But it'll give you an idea of how Wendy answers questions. Certainly Georgia Kappelman can, you know, think about, not supposed to, but uh, you would have to think about how she's going to answer questions should she testify. And Wendy might be smart enough not to testify should she go on trial for this crime. Um, and we made kind of a last minute plan to have lunch. Um, and then I had a few errands to run before I met them. So I, 
I did that. I picked up gas. I picked up something I needed for a party that night. And then I went to meet my friends for lunch. All right. And do you know what time you left the residence that day? I don't. Um, I guess it's somewhere around noon. And then went and ran your errands. She's looking over at Katie's lawyers like, is that right? Did you see that? Look at that. Look how weird that is. Okay. Around noon. Okay. And then went and ran your errands. On the way to run your errands, did you go by the crime scene? No. On the way to run your errands, did you encounter a roadblock on Prescott? I did. All right, so you did turn off of Centerville onto Trescott. I did. All right, and when you encountered a roadblock, what did you assume the problem was there? I figured it was just an electrical storm or something. There was some some tape, um, and it looked like the road was blocked off, and so I just turned around and went back and went up Benton. And had there been an electrical storm that morning? I didn't remember an electrical storm, but in the summertime, there's always trees falling and rainstorms, so pretty normal. Right, and you weren't concerned based on that experience that there could be something going on at your, previously your marital home. Absolutely not. And your ex-husband, Dan Markell, had your children at that time, right? No, he did not. <clears throat> okay, so you had your children at that time? No, my children were at preschool at that time. Right, but who took them to preschool that day? Danny would have taken them to preschool. Okay. So it was his day. He was killed on his parenting day. It was the day he would have brought them to preschool and I would have picked them up. All right. Did he? Did they spend the night with him the night before? They did. Okay. And you hadn't seen your children yet that day when you encountered the roadblock? On Friday, no. Okay. <sighs> See, it's one of those things that a defense lawyer will argue that everybody acts differently responds differently, but we all know that it's a spectrum of normal human behavior. And she's way off, way off as a mother, as the loving mother. How could she know Danny dropped them off? How could she know? She gets right up to the, to the crime scene tape. So she didn't drive by it because she couldn't. She drove up to it. And now it's not a crime scene. It's just a roadblock. And they're all doing, like I've said before, CPR on the tree, I guess. That's what we're supposed to think. All those police cars are there because they're so often there. When a tree goes down, you see a crime scene tape up. There's been a crime against this tree. And we, we're going to investigate. We're looking, we're looking for a suspect in the sky, it's a bright white lightning bolt. Have you seen that? Have you seen him walking around? I mean, what are you going to, I mean, what is she thinking with these answers? But I guess she thinks that if she goes up there and lies her butt off, what are they going to do? They're not going to take away my law license because other law lawyers are in charge of that. And they rarely, rarely ever it has to be something so public or off the charts, even though I think this is very public. 
but really, 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 really obvious for them to do anything. And they so rarely do anything. So, like, they're not going to take away my law license. They're not going to do anything to me. What? I'm just going to protect Katie, therefore protect my brother, and just go up there. And then also just for the defiance of it. You know you couldn't know. But I do. They love that. And were you on the phone when you encountered the roadblock? You I remember? was. Do you remember who you were speaking to? I do. Who was that? You don't have to say the name, but just what type of person was that? Um, he was a friend. I hadn't caught up with him a long time. He had moved to England. Um, so I was probably a little distracted um, talking and catching up with an old friend. And when you encountered, at the time that you encountered the roadblock or shortly thereafter, did you call the daycare? No. Did you call Dan Markell? No. Did you do anything to reach out to any of the players that we've talked about in this case? No. Did you communicate to anyone that there was a roadblock? I didn't. I would have had no reason to do that. Was Dan Markell scheduled to leave town the day after he was killed? I believe so. Where was he going? <clears throat> he was going to New York. And that's where he had a girlfriend? That's where his girlfriend lived. Do you know how the killers knew that Dan Markell was planning to leave town the next day? I have no idea. You didn't relay that information to anyone? Absolutely not. Did you have WhatsApp on your phone at the time? I really don't know. I have it now. I don't know if I had it eight years ago. Did you communicate with anyone on WhatsApp or similar technology to relay any information about the murder of your husband? Absolutely not. Do you know if your brother Charlie had WhatsApp at the time? I have no idea. Did you communicate with him through WhatsApp? If I had WhatsApp on my phone, then maybe I did. I know I had friends who lived around the world at that time. WhatsApp was more of a technology used to talk to people internationally. So I know the friend I was talking to was in England. If I had WhatsApp, I would have used it to call him. Did you know that WhatsApp, the communications are encrypted? They cannot be retrieved by law enforcement? Were you aware of that? I think they can be retrieved by law enforcement, but it's one of the end-to-end -end encryption services. All right. And so you can't tell the jury whether you communicated through WhatsApp at all on the day of the murder? I don't remember if I had it eight years ago. I have it now, so we could look and figure out if I had it then, but I, I don't know. All right. Did you ever communicate with Catherine Magvanoa at any time through WhatsApp? I never communicated with her at all. When you left the residence and encountered the roadblock, where were you headed? When I left my residence? Mm -hmm. I was headed to ABC Liquors to get an item that was requested for a Stop the Bar party. I was supposed to go to that Friday night. Well, was what was that item? Up. I'm sorry? What was the item? It was bourbon. What type of bourbon? Bullet bourbon. Bullet bourbon. And of course, we could look on the phone for my WhatsApp to see if I have WhatsApp, but you know, we can't do that. <laughs> 
you know, we can't do that. I mean, how disingenuous. I could look on my phone if you want to ask me, even though I know I can't. <laughs> oh, so trifling, this whole thing. But wait till we get to cross. It's really good. The invitation you- had asked specifically to bring a bottle of bullet bourbon. So I went to the store and asked them where I could find that. And the bottle of bullet bourbon was in your vehicle when law enforcement came to interview you about this case. Right. When I told law enforcement they could search my vehicle and signed away all my rights. Yeah. After the murder of Dan Markell, was it your practice to tell people, just acquaintances and peripheral people in your life, that he had been involved in an accident? I don't believe so. Do you know whether that was something that your brother told people? Yeah, I think that is by that answer. I don't believe so. Now now I feel like I speak Wendy's lying answers. It's never a straight no. I don't believe so. I'm going to leave a little window wiggle room open for, for bad memory here in case you have some evidence of me doing this, which I know I did. And then she's going to blame it on the police telling her not to go into specifics to completely reframing Danny's murder to having an accident, dying in an accident. I had no idea what my brother told people. Did you ever hear your brother, Charlie Adelson, tell someone Dan Markell was involved in an accident? No, I've never heard that. I was just thinking law enforcement told me when they were interviewing me that I wasn't supposed to tell anyone what happened until it was released. But And that was just the day of? That was the day of. Okay. <laughs> Did you or your children benefit financially from your husband's death? Absolutely not. Was there a did your husband have a life insurance policy? He did have a life insurance policy. And what was the value of that policy? I don't know what the value of it was at the time. I do know that his sister's the custodian of that um, life insurance policy and I pay taxes on that money every year, but we don't we don't receive any of it. What was the value of it at the time of your husband's death? It was a million dollars. Not two million? A million for each child. Two million dollars. All right. And did you believe prior to your husband's murder that you were the custodian of that money for the benefit of the boys? No, we were divorced. So I was the custodian while we were married. But once we were divorced, I was no longer the custodian. So you were aware that he had designated someone else to do that job? My understanding is that she was calling up the day after about this insurance. Am I wrong? Let me know if I'm wrong on that to find out about it. And it's a million because it's a million for each boy. Uh, two million is quite different than one million. I think we'd all agree with that. You didn't inquire through your attorney about challenging the designation of the sister as the, the custodian of that money? I wasn't trying to challenge the designation, no. Do you have access personally to that money? No. All right. What about a 401k? Did did your ex-husband have a 401k when he died? I believe he did. All right. And are you the custodian of that money for the benefit of the boys? I am. That's how I pay the taxes. 
All right, did he have a pension? I don't know. Social security benefits? I don't know if he had social security benefits as um, survivors, my children receive social security mm -hmm. benefits. $4,800 a month, right? That's right. Deferred compensation fund? I don't remember. $217,000, does that sound familiar? I don't remember. Uh, what about the IRA? Did he have an IRA? I really don't know. $100,000? It's very possible. What about a checking account? I don't know if he, I assume he had a checking account. $15,000 in there, right? Wouldn't go to us, but sure, I imagine he had a checking account. It wouldn't go to you and the boys? Where did it go? Funeral expenses. Okay. All right, and obviously you did not. I love Georgia. Georgia is getting so ST'd off as I am and irritated at the end, like I always do at the end of her testimony. Okay. Okay, if you want to play it like that. And Wendy's sitting there with her duper's delight little grin. So childish, like, ha ha, like I beat you. Like she went at this in the same spirit that all the Adelsons go at this. This is a battle and I'm going to win it. But a major loss for her because the entire public, she may be walking around, but anyone who knows anything about this case, I think we're all in agreement. We can't stand her because she's shown herself to be so psych psychopathic and cruel and empty and a terrible mother. Have to maintain your divorce lawyer for any purpose after the murder of Dan Martell. I think at that point he was trying to provide counsel for something else, but no, I didn't. I had to maintain him for a little bit just to close out the case. He had some work to do to, to finalize things. All right. And was your mom able to go back to work full time at the once you moved to South Florida, or did she remain in the status of sort of helping with the kids a lot and she, working I, part she helped with the kids a lot, especially while I tried to get back on my feet and find work. That was one of Donna's comments in the email was tell the judge, tell the judge that she's had to lose so much work because Harvey has had to fly down so many times to deal with Wendy's kids that they've had to reschedule patients and patients have left. So it's financially hurt the Adelson Institute. Come on, you're going to go with that to get the judge to approve her relocation. Have you ever returned to Tallahassee to live after, you said you left about two days after the death? I've never come back to live. I came back to give um, a talk, I think twice. And then I came back for a friend's wedding. Um, I came back for a friend's bar mitzvah. So probably came back four or five times then. Right, but, but the question but not is to, to resign. I'm sorry, Ms. Kaplan. I, I haven't lived here. Okay. Since I left. 
You've lived steady in South Florida since that date. I have lived in South Florida. Okay. And who has full custody of your two boys? Me. And does your mom have any issues with having access to your boys or does she have full access to your kids? I mean, there's no issues with access. How often would you say your mom sees the kids? I think it depends on the week, but probably at least once or twice a week. What? How old are your boys now? They're 11 and 12. How old were they when their dad was killed? It was 10 days before my older son's birthday, so he was almost five. And my younger son was uh, three and a half. Did you change their legal names about a month or so after the murder? No, not a month or so after the murder, no. Okay. When was it done? Even sooner than that? No, absolutely not. Um, when I tried to put my children in school and their faces had been unblurred on CNN and all across social media, I thought we were you, But if you'll answer my question, my question is, when were the boys' names changed? The boys' names were changed after I wrote a letter to Danny's family explaining why I was changing their names. When were their names About changed? a year after. Okay. And that was when they were legally changed, July 6, 2015? I don't Is remember right? the date, but if you have it, that sounds correct. Okay. So they were legally changed on that date, but just a month or so after the murder when you were enrolling them in school is when... <laughs> just Wendy came back to give, not to live. She came back to give because she's the giving type, isn't she? So giving. They effectively had their names changed. That is not true. And what did you change their names from and to? I changed their last name from their father's last name to mine. From Markel to Adelson. That is correct. And did you also drop the middle name of one of your boys that was a tribute to his paternal side? It was a tribute to both families. Did so you drop it? I did. I lost an honor to both families that day, yes. Do you want the culpable parties in this murder held accountable? Absolutely. And even if it involves your own family? Absolutely. Then do you recall giving an interview with law enforcement on the day that your husband, ex-husband, was murdered? I recall sitting with law enforcement for six hours, yes, I recall. And did you tell law enforcement something different in that interview about the culpability of your family? Uh-oh, watch out. We're going to get some serious acting here. We're getting the flary nostrils going with Wendy. We're going to get into some serious eye-staring, nostril-flaring, and emphatic answers here. Coming coming up. Incoming. Family. I'm sure while I sat for six hours completely traumatized that I said all kinds of things. All right. And was one of the things you said while you sat for six hours completely traumatized that you wanted the culpable parties held accountable unless it was your family? I don't believe I phrased it like that. And I think you're taking my words out of context, but sure. But sure? But sure what? No further questions. But sure, no further questions. Oh, ouch. Oh, Georgia Kappelman, way to end it. But sure. It, it, it needs context again. Anybody remember that? That's exactly the way she said it. 
it would be different if it were my family, but I don't think it was anyone in my family. No context whatsoever needed. I love how this family always goes to context. Uh, that she was completely traumatized. How does that change it? That she'd been sitting there for how many hours at that point? And that was an hour into her, into her, <laughs> into her police questioning. I think it was like an hour, 14 minutes, maybe less. All right, we're going to take our break now. Um, and uh, so it'll be about a 10, 15 minute break. Allow you to stretch your legs, use the facilities. And so uh, the deputy will take you back. Remember, no discussion about the case or any testimony that you've heard. You can leave your pads on your chairs and we'll be back to continue the testimony in about 15 minutes, okay? So get ready for a fiery, fiery cross by DeCoste. One of Katie's private lawyers. Ready to continue with the testimony. Uh, Ms. Kappelman, uh, you may continue with your direct if necessary. Thank you, Your Honor. Sales, I'm going to approach you with what I marked as State's Exhibit 64. Ms. Adelson, did you have an opportunity to review State's 99 of disk containing wiretap calls relating to this case? I did. And as part of our pre-trial preparations, we asked to listen to those calls and verify whether or not you could authenticate some of the voices on those calls. So I was asked not to listen to the whole call, but just to listen to a few seconds enough to be able to identify the people speaking from calls. And is that what you did? That is what I did. Okay. And is State's Exhibit 64 a fair and accurate recording of where your initials appear that representing the, that you could authenticate the voices on that particular call. That is correct. Okay, so for example, the list includes call A on State's Exhibit 99, and you've initialed here indicating that the call is from Donna Aleson to Charlie Aleson. That is correct. Thank you, Judge. At this time, I'm asking you to evidence State 64. Any objection? No, Your Honor. Be admitted as State's Exhibit 64. No other all right, thank you. Cross-examination? Yes, Your Honor, thank you. Ms. Adelson, this is all about you, isn't it? Excuse me? This, this is all about you, right? Uh, I was called to be a witness and I'm testifying, so I don't understand the question. Is it a question? There's about 100 people in this courtroom, right? There are people in the courtroom. Possibly thousands. She's objecting to her own cross-examination here. Is that a question? Is that a proper question to ask me? This is all about you, isn't it? No, I'm, I'm just been asked. I've just been subpoenaed here. And I refuse to testify without, <laughs> without immunity. 
And I think it means that I, I can never be indicted or tried in this case. That's what I think it means as a, as a lawyer. Give me a break. Who's watching, right? I have no idea who's watching. And it's all because of your failed marriage, right? I disagree with that. You disagree that your ex-husband is dead because of your family? Yes, I disagree. These jurors are here for weeks doing their civic duty because of your marriage, right? No. Katie's going through this, this ordeal because of that marriage, right? No. Dan Markell's parents are going through absolute misery because of your failed marriage. Isn't that right? No, that's incorrect. Well, let's talk about the marriage. You and Professor Markell, you met when you were in law school. You told that to Ms. Kaplan. And it was a whirlwind romance, right? Right? It was not a whirlwind romance, no. It led to a wedding, February 26th of 2006. You had a big wedding in Boca Raton, right? Did we get married on February 26, 2006? Is that the question? Yes. In Boca Raton? In Boca Raton, Florida. And it wasn't a small wedding. It was a big wedding. There were many people in attendance. All right, in this marriage, it led to two children, right? Your two boys. Are you asking me if I have two boys? Yes. Yes. And Professor Markell, he was a great father, wasn't he? He was a very good father, yes. Those boys were his. She doesn't want to say he was a great father because there was nothing great about Dan Markell. He was so scary, he needed a nickname. He didn't get the job in Miami. He meant well. That was the most underhanded, passive-aggressive description I've ever heard in this case. She can't say one positive thing about him, except pressed on the stand when she has to to say he was a good father. She can concede that much, but not a great one world right as well as his work yes world he was a very good father yes those boys were his world right as well as his work yes and they adored him too didn't they absolutely now this marriage started to fall apart right it did but there were problems from the very beginning weren't there Right. Are you asking me, what is the very beginning? The very beginning of when we got married? Literally at the wedding. There were problems before we got married. All right. So at the wedding, and the, the government asked you about kosher at law, right? About what? I'm sorry. Keeping kosher. About keeping kosher. Yes. Right. And your wedding kosher. at your wedding was the, the Groves family, the Markel family, and they are more strict than your family and friends about keeping kosher. They do not keep kosher. Wasn't that one of the problems in your marriage that Professor Markell was very insistent about keeping kosher? About his kosher rules, but those are different than his family's. So you're saying that it wasn't a problem at the wedding, that there were people from the groom's side of the family that were there that strictly keep kosher, that they were told that it was going to be kosher food, but it actually wasn't. So there was a misunderstanding about whether the food was going to be kosher style 
or more in adherence with kosher law. There was a miscommunication about that. This is a huge misopportunity for the defense here. There is no such thing as kosher style. There are kosher laws of eating to various degrees. So, for example, there are candies like, say, Snickers that have been approved by a certain sect and a certain rabbi that may not be as strict or um, as, as one sect may or one Orthodox or Hasidic Jew may want, and they may go for a totally like a knockoff kosher version, more kosher version. But there is no such thing as kosher style. It's not like family style dining. It's there is there's never ever in the history of the world anything described as kosher style. What would it be like saying? You know what it would be like saying? Um, well, I wasn't a virgin at my wedding, but I was like, I, I had virgin style. I mean, it's that yes or no. You are or you aren't. And I would love to have Wendy describe kosher style, what she means by kosher style. It infuriates me. It's such a massive lie to a jury that she thinks won't get it into a defense attorney who she thinks won't press. And she's right. He doesn't press, but he should. I don't know if he's the way he's taught is just to, that his only thing that matters are his questions and not her answers. Or if he's so nervous, he's not listening, but a major missed opportunity right there. Yeah. Another, another t-shirt opportunity for me. Kosher style. It was kosher style. No such thing exists. So you had people that strictly keep kosher eating non-kosher food, which is a big deal. That actually is not what happened. You had, Danny was upset that it was kosher style and not strictly adhering to kosher law. So so he was disappointed. So there's problems right from the beginning. That was a problem at our wedding. Yeah. Fast forward now to September 10th. Oh, he got it twice, twice like this, like this major ball that right down the middle to hit out of the park defense attorney. And he, he just, of course, I'm Monday morning quarterbacking, but he just missed on that. Just, I would love, love to hear the explanation. What is it? Food that you eat while you watch a Woody Allen movie? Is that her idea of kosher style? Have no idea. Not even because we know Woody Allen doesn't keep kosher. So what is she talking about? Oh, it drives me. I'm a little obsessed on this point, but drives me crazy. 2012. Professor Markell, he's away on a business trip, right? Yes. He's in New York City at New York University, right? I believe so, yes. And he's doing a presentation. I don't know what he was doing. Your husband at the time was in New York to give a presentation. You knew that, right? I knew he was in New York. I didn't know if he was attending a conference or giving a presentation, but he was in New York for work. 
Now, you had not communicated with him for two days. I really don't remember. You text him at around 2.30 in the afternoon, right? Right before he's about to do the presentation. I really don't remember. But you do remember dropping the bomb on him, don't you? Telling him that you wanted a divorce. So I did not drop a bomb on him. We'd been in therapy for several months beforehand where I told him several times I wanted a divorce. You say it's not a bomb, but you agree with me that he begged you to reconsider. He was very upset and yes, wanted me to reconsider, but... In that phone call, he's begging you to reconsider. Please don't leave. Please don't break up our family, right? He was very upset, yes. And he was heartbroken. I mean, upset indicates that there was anger. What he was was heartbroken, right? That I decided to divorce him after telling him I would, yes. Despite being at NYU. So she's saying he was upset, but, and then he just butts in with his question. Let her finish. Stay in silence. Let her finish her sentence. She just agreed with you. Let her finish her sentence. Let her finish her sentence. Yes, he was upset and he begged me to reconsider. Yes. Yes, and I did all this while he was gone. Yes. Let her finish, let her explain herself. For a presentation, he rushes home. He gets on the next flight, right? I honestly don't remember if he got on the next flight, but he did come home quickly. 2.30, he finds out in New York. By 11 p.m., he's walking in the door to your old house at Trescott Drive, right? I don't know. But you do know that when he walks in the house, what he finds. You know that, right? Yes, I left him the papers. You left the divorce papers on the bed, right? Yes. Half the furniture was gone. Half the furniture was not gone. A good amount of his stuff was gone. Nothing of his was gone. The boy's stuff was gone, right? Some of the boys' things were gone. I'd taken enough so that I had for the boys, but no. You were gone? I, I was gone, yes. And so were his boys. Um, his boys were not gone. He saw them the next day, and they would not have been awake if he's coming home at 11 p.m. Let's, let's stay on topic here. You How much do you want to bet they, that Dan didn't see them the next day? How much do you want to bet? With what we know about this divorce, that Wendy, right after dropping the papers off, and she's so scared of them that she's going to just run on over to drop off the kids with them right before they have any kind of arrangement. Come on, come on, come on. He walks in the, when he walks in the door, the boys are not in the house, right? Correct. And you did not tell Professor Markell where you were taking the boys. He may have seen him the next day, but you did not let him know where you were going to be staying with his boys. With our boys? Yes. So you agree with me that they're also his? Of course they're his. And he should be entitled to know where his wife is taking his children. Absolutely. That's not all you took, is it? Excuse me? <laughs> you two had a joint checking account at Schwab, right? We did. And you went into that account before you dropped the bomb, and you took out half of that account, right? Correct. Roughly $350,000. Half, yes. $350,000. I don't remember the amount, but yes. You know that it was in the hundreds of thousands. I really don't remember the amount, sir. Is it that insignificant of a sum to you that you I'm don't remember? I'm not saying remember? it's an insignificant sum. I'm saying I can't attach to the amount that was there. Gung and Tony, you are unhappy in the marriage, right? That's why I got divorced, yes. And it happens. 
marriages fall apart, right? Yes. But you, you, you complained constantly about it, didn't you? No, I don't think I complained constantly. To anyone that would listen? No, that's not true. You agree with me that you complained to the one person that would actually do something about it. I don't understand what you're asking. Your big brother, Charles Adelson, you complained to him about how bad Professor Markell was and how much you hated him and didn't want to be in a marriage with him. I object, Your Honor. Clearly, I was the person who could do something about it. I object to this whole line of questioning. Charlie, I was the person who could do something about it. I just told Charlie to do something about it. I'm the decision maker, not Charlie. This is, this is terrible, terrible. I definitely talked to my brother about how unhappy I was in my marriage. If that's the question, then yes. Let's is talk that the question? Yes, that is a question. You talked to your brother, Charles Adelson, about how bad your marriage was. I did, yes. Let's talk about it. Government asked you about Charles Adelson. He's an intelligent guy, right? He is smart. Yeah. He's both book smart and street smart, right? I would say so. You would say that he's a talker. He does like to talk. He's got the gift of gab, so to speak. I wouldn't say he's the gift of gab, but he does talk. He knows what to say in the moment. I wouldn't say that's true either. <laughs> you would say, though, that he is. Now, you, you were asked questions about you know drug purchasing and stuff like that. You'd agree with me that, that he's also street smart. I mean, I think he has common sense. And that he lives life to a certain extent on both sides of the track. During the day, he's doing periodontal work, whatever that is, you know, crowns, root canals, whatever that is. He's doing that during the day. At night, he's out with friends, he's buying drugs. He's living life on both sides of the I, track. I don't know about that, that he's out buying drugs. What is he, some kind of like deranged Superman, super periodontist? By day, he's a periodontist, but by night, he's out on the town and out purchasing substances. So is that what we're supposed to believe? I mean, some guy, even this is a little much, but okay. Let's talk for a second about WhatsApp. And as an aside here for a second, the government asked you the question if you used WhatsApp, right? You remember that? I remember them asking me, yes. On the day that Professor Marco was killed, you went in for the interview, right? I talked to the police. And you also gave them your phone for them to inspect. Absolutely. So the determination of what, if any, WhatsApp was being used, they would have from the download they did that day of your phone. Sure. Now, would you be surprised to learn that your brother used WhatsApp? No. You would agree with me that WhatsApp, and you, and you explained it well, is end-to-end -end encryption. Correct. In your in your lay opinion, if you can explain to the jurors, just in case they don't know what that means. I don't. I know that it's something we use at my work because essentially it has the ability to keep things more private. I also know that nothing's actually private and that anyone who wants to can uncode the messages. So that's what we tell people at our work. So the thought is with WhatsApp, if, if I use my phone and I call somebody, the call could be listening. I text somebody that it's recordable, right? I think so. But with WhatsApp, you can send messages or have phone calls where there's no record of it. I don't think that's true. I think there is still a record of it. But the, 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 the belief and the thought, I'll withdraw that question. Your lay understanding, though, is that the 
footprint that it leaves is much less than that of normal communications. I think it's different, but I think it still leaves a digital footprint that's easily uncodable. If you were to send a WhatsApp message to Ms. Kaplan, it would show that a message was sent, but it would be hard to get what the content of the message is. I don't think that's true. All right. Let's, let's talk about your brother's jokes now. You don't deny that he joked about hiring a hitman. He did. You don't deny that he repeated this joke. He did. And he made this joke right before a hitman murdered Professor Markell. I don't know that to be true. Okay. He made the joke right before, and I'll leave out the hitman part, Professor Markell was killed. He made the joke the morning that I talked to him. Can you think of one person in this world that would actually hire two, two people to go kill Professor Markell other than your family? Ms. Adelson, please answer. Please address me and to answer the question. I'd love to calls for an unbelievable amount of speculation. I mean, I'm supposed to, I'm I'm responsible for coming up with uh, that's the prosecutor's duty, you know, to figure out who's responsible. Right. So the same kind of answer. Yes, it is. It actually is the detective's job, and it's the prosecutor's job to try them. So that's kind of interesting that she puts it to the prosecutor to figure it out when it's really the detective and the prosecutor's just going to try them. But isn't it interesting that it's the same kind of answer that she would give had she been asked why she had her lawyer call the detective and say, I represent the Adelson family and they're not talking? I've helped out as much as I could. I was there for six hours, completely traumatized. I helped you out. It's not my job to want to figure out who murdered the father of my children. That's the detective's job, not my job. Yeah, you're right. It's not your job. But how come Rob Adelson, the, your, your older brother, couldn't rest until he figured it out. Once he figured it out, he was like, see a family, not interested. It was tough enough to be amongst you, as is, with all our differences, but this is too much. This is a different level of toxic, toxicity, excuse me, that I can't handle. But for Wendy, she's going to give these kind of lawyerly answers, sunny Tanner pointed out in my interview with her, she answers like a lawyer. But we know that it's not in the spectrum of normal human behavior to be so uninterested and so uninvolved and to protect yourself above all else. I mean, if you talk to Dubin, Josh Dubin, the jury consultant, Mr. Innocence Project ambassador, He'll tell you that it's perfectly normal when you're aware of wrongful convictions to protect yourself above all else. But common sense tells us something else because we live on planet Earth, not somewhere else. It's so infuriating. You just said a moment ago that you, you disagree that Hitman killed Professor Markel. That, that's what you said, right? So my question to you is, if you're able to say, well, it wasn't Hitman, then who? Tell this jury, who on this planet would have wanted to kill Professor Marquette? Yeah. All right. Let's get into that a little bit.
But I want, I want to make sure that's clear. This joke is made right before Professor Markell is murdered, right? The joke was made many times. It was made right before Professor Markell was murdered. Yes or no? Yes. July 18, 2014, you're interviewed, and you make a statement saying, I knew this would happen. You said that, right? I did. All right. Now, I want to talk about your knowledge and your belief on this. You're a smart person, right? How am I supposed to answer that? Well, let's go through your resume. You went to Brandeis University, right? I did. You graduated magna cum laude. I did. If you could explain to the jury what that means. It means I studied a lot and got good grades. It means, and to speak, I'm from the Northeast. My Boston accent may give it away. It means you're wicked smart, right? That's very you had a high GPA, a very high GPA. I work hard. You also went and you got a master's degree from the University of Cambridge. I did. She loves this line of questioning. Even at a murder trial, she's not above being flattered. You were a Gates scholar. I was. You then go to the University of Miami School of Law, which is a Top tier law school, tier one, right? Okay. Right? We're talking about your level of intelligence. You went to the University of Miami Law School, right? I did, yes. You also clerked at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, right? I did. Now, to get a clerkship out of law school, it's a very difficult thing to do, right? It's challenging. You have to have top grades. You have to go through a rigorous selection process, right? Yes. You then become a, a, a professor at the, the, the Florida State University College of Law, right? Yes. You're also a published author. Right? Now you're just embarrassing me. Why, why are you embarrassed that you're a published author? I just, I don't like talking about myself. Is it because the book that you wrote? Yeah, she doesn't like talking about herself. That's why, because she wrote a book about herself and then made a podcast. Yeah, she really doesn't like talking about herself, guys. Ignore the podcast that she made about her ex-husband's murder. That's not that's not hiding in plain sight. That's not someone who doesn't that's not that's someone who doesn't like talking about themselves. Come on. And writing a book because Lily was really based on her friend. Her friend married to a man named, right? <laughs> Stan Narkel, <laughs> who taught a Canadian who taught at North Florida State University or whatever the freak it was. Oh, oh. I think I, I think I may need like a little, a little bit of a cool down. This is so infuriating. Oh, now you're just embarrassing me. See, that works on a first date. Doesn't work so well on a cross examination. I bet the jury is just getting like sick to their stomach. Discredited Tallahassee and spoke ill of it. The book did not discredit Tallahassee. It wasn't about Tallahassee. Let's stay on topic and I have to question again with everything that we just went through. You're a smart woman, right? I am a smart woman. There's information about this case everywhere. You'd agree with me on that, right? I've been advised by my lawyer not to read it. All right. Now, we're not talking about reading stuff. There's podcasts. Also not to listen. TV shows. Also not to watch. Articles. Don't read. And so you've made the decision. Now, you're a lawyer yourself too, right? I am. And you made the decision. I'm not going to look at any of this stuff. 
Correct. I don't want to know what happened to the father of my two children. Not, I don't want to know what happened. How can you say you love those boys if you don't care who killed the father that they loved? Of course I care who killed the father that they loved. Then why won't you look at the stuff? I've been advised not to. Are you afraid that when you look at it, you're going to realize that your brother did this? I am not afraid of that. Now, of course, you, you, you've, and we won't get into privileged communications, but you've spoken to your lawyer about the case. How are we not getting into privileged communications? Yes, I've spoken to my lawyer about the case. You're very intelligent. You have one. Because he's not asking you specific questions. That's how you're not getting into privileged communications, Wendy. And when she said she's a smart woman, how many of you start, started singing Alicia Keys, right? I am a super killer, kosher style. <laughs> That's what was going on in my head. I mean, this is nuts. It's just one ridiculous answer after the next. And she thinks she's doing well. It's like the precursor to Charlie Adelson on the stand, isn't it? They think they're super charming and they're not. The top defense attorneys in the country, former federal prosecutor, John Law, right there in the blue suit, right? He is my attorney. You're telling me with all of this at your disposal, your intelligence, his experience, and all this information, that you don't care to find out who it is that killed Professor Markell? This is not that I don't care to find out. My job is to take care of those boys, and that is what I do. I don't see how it helps take care of them to go reading and watching and soaking up all of the horrible information that's out there. You don't realize that you could be helpful in finally untangling this to give this jury the truth about what happened to Professor Markell? I have been nothing but helpful since this started. So what happened to their son? Yeah, I would have. I would have said... So when your lawyer called up and answered the detective's call and said, you know, we're not talking anymore. That was you being helpful. That was your help to an investigation. Have her answer that. You know, I know it's her right. She has a right to, to silence. But like I said, common sense here, we're getting common sense tells us that an innocent person would want to help with the investigation, not hinder it and stay silent when they're one of the closest people to the victim, even going through a contentious divorce. But now we're getting Jupiter's delight with the flary nostrils. It's an interesting combination here. By you looking at it, you are at the center of all this, but you won't look at anything to help in the process. I've done nothing but help in this process. You came here and testified. I came here and testified. I spoke to the police been, you, for six hours without anyone present. I signed over my cell phone, my car, my house, everything, my computer. What else do I have or know that you haven't seen? You came here because you were subpoenaed and had no choice. Correct. Right? This is not fun. You've I would been, not do this by choice. You've been inconvenienced. I've not been inconvenienced. Professor Markell was shot in the head. I'm not complaining about being here. This is my duty. I'm here. We'll get back to you complaining about being here. I'm here with my super lies. What? What? Come on. I've answered every one of your questions falsely. What more do you want? 
do you honestly expect this jury to believe that you haven't confronted your brother about all of this? Yes, I do. Yes, you did confront him? Yes, I do expect them to believe that I did not confront my brother because I didn't. Well, maybe you don't need to because you know the truth in this case. You already know it. That he went behind your back, right? Did not happen. Just like he has done with past boyfriends. He's done that in the past where he's gone behind your back when you were having problems in a relationship and dealt with it himself. No. So he didn't go behind your back, Wendy? Because we know you were a part of it. So you're saying he went to your front and told you right, uh, right about it? Because I think that's more likely. I think it's highly unlikely that he went behind your back and did all this. Who else would be calling the next day about the insurance? What traumatized person calls the next day about, about the insurance? What traumatized innocent party? <laughs> okay, she wasn't traumatized yet. She didn't know, supposedly. Would drive by the crime scene. I'm going to leave the bullet bourbon out since it's unknown. Still a very odd coincidence. And Charlie Adelson also thinks it's a one in a million coincidence that she that those signs that Wendy drove by the crime scene that morning and bought bullet bourbon show that she is involved. That was what he says a rational person would conclude from his jailhouse calls. Ms. Adelson. You understand that until you expose your brother what he did, that everybody's going to consider you as guilty. You understand that, right? What is the question that you're asking me? You understand that until you expose your brother and explain what he did, that he went behind everybody's back, that he hired a hitman to murder your ex-husband, you'll remain guilty in the eyes of the world. I can't speak to the eyes of the world. I can only know that I have done nothing wrong. Maybe you are guilty. I am not guilty. So, see, that kind of echoing is very common among guilty people. I'm not saying that's what makes her guilty in my eyes. It's the rest of her behavior. But you notice that on those really sensitive questions, she won't use her own words. She'll just parrot back the question in a negative response. A witness in this case, and I'm not going to get into their testimony, but one of the hitmen, the convicted hitman, implicates you. On July 17, 2014, the day before the murder, the morning before, he says that you were walking on Trescott with the two boys, that you walked down the driveway and into the house. That never happened. Right, because Dan, Professor Markell, I apologize, Professor Markell, he had the kids based on the way that your guy's schedule was. On that day, he would have had the children in the morning, and you're going through such a bad divorce, you wouldn't be at his house, right? I wouldn't be at his house anyway, but not because we weren't we were going through a bad divorce. At that time, things were pretty copacetic. All right, so we're coming back to maybe you do know, or maybe you were involved. Excuse me? What's I, the I, question that you're asking me? I'm giving you a header of what we're talking about so that it will ease you in the question, okay? I'm just telling you what the topic that we're on, so we'll get to a question. Now, the government asked you about it. She's being asked about murder. She's being accused of being the murderess, a conspiracy 
part of this conspiracy, excuse me. And she's smiling and she's acting as her own lawyer. She's saying, put it in the form of a question. And he's saying, I'm giving you the context. You should have used the word context. I'm framing it in a way you can understand the question that's coming, Wendy. Now comes the water bottle. You'll see this a lot, especially in depositions. People put the water bottle in front of them. Sometimes lawyers will ask for it to be moved. And here she's using her water bottle as armor right in front of her because she feels very defensive now with these questions that are so close to the bone. Time that you met Ms. McBann, it was actually spring break of March 2014, right? I believe so. You went down to Miami. You stayed with your brother, Charles. I went down to Fort Lauderdale after being in Immokalee and well, stayed with my brother. You then went to Miami, Miami Beach to Yardbird and had dinner outside with your boyfriend at the time of who you were dating, Jeffrey Lacoste. Catherine McBannell was there and your brother Charles Adelson and y'all ate outside, right? We did. And that's on Miami Beach, not in Fort Lauderdale. Correct. Now, just for context, Jeffrey Lacoste, he was also an FSU professor, not at the law school, but an FSU professor. Nice guy, right? <laughs> I don't think so now. <laughs> now, you deny, I'm assuming, that on July... 13, 2014, you told Jeffrey Lacoste that Charles looked into hiring a hitman. You deny that or you admit that? I deny that. And that you told him that Charles looked into hiring a hitman back in September of 2013. That never happened. Which would have been months before your brother even met Catherine McBannon. I don't remember when they met. Letting you know the topic we're on, we're talking about you being involved. That same week, earlier in the week, you sent an email. We're talking about the week of the murder now, not spring break, the week of the murder, not Yardbird, the week of the murder. You sent an email to Jeffrey Lacoste saying that you wanted to break up, that you needed space, right? I did. Sent him a long email, stay away, we're broken up, right? I did. You knew that on July 18, 2014, Jeffrey Lacoste was leaving town to go on a trip, right? I knew he was leaving at some point that week. I don't remember when. You knew that he was leaving on the same day of the murder at the same exact time as the murder. I don't think I did. 11 a.m. on July 18, 2014. I don't think I knew when he was leaving town. Jeffrey Lacoste says it differently. He says that you called him back to the car and wanted to know in detail all about his trip. For example, if he didn't leave at that time, what time he was leaving, if he didn't take the trip, why not? That you had an absurd amount of interest in a trip a man was taking who you now had no interest in being with. He found it odd. But notice her answers are very similar to her other, in my view, lying answers. I didn't think I did. It's always with a little wiggle room, little wiggle room. I don't think I did this. 
I don't think I did this. Not that I definitely did it or not did it. She's not going to deny it totally. It's a good way to put the blame onto somebody else. You'd agree on that, right? I, if, if it happened, it would have been a good way to put the blame on somebody else. I have no idea when he was going to leave town. Your interview, July 18, 2014, you, you, you said, you know, my brother, he, he joked about hiring a hitman. Perhaps that was you just planting a seed to divert the attention of law enforcement away from you. It was not. Let's jump off topic right now and talk about your boys' names. That in the time after the murder, you changed their last names from Markel, Markel to Adelson, right? A year later, yeah. Why? I was scared. Of what? Of someone coming to attack them. So it's a year later, you won't look at anything because you don't want to know what's going on in the case. And the thought is, well, they're going to be protected if they have my last name and not Markel, right? Yes. Now, years later, arrests are made. It's clear who committed the murder, Secreta Garcia Luis Rivera. The Adelson name has been dragged through the mud. Why haven't you continued to protect your boys and change the name back? I will be changing. The, I'm not going to change the name back. I don't think that will help. One day I'll change all of our names. The government asked you about immunity, so let's get into that. You, you, you explain. Okay, just a question. What should Wendy change her name to? Just a question, throwing it out there. What would be an appropriate new name for Wendy Adelson? Not her children. We'll leave her children out of this, but she was going to change her name. What would be a good, good name for her? Claim that as an attorney, you understand that when the government gives a subpoena for somebody to testify that it conveys immunity, right? That's my understanding. My knowledge of criminal law dates back to 2003 when I took a semester in law school. So forgive me. Graduated law school, right? This isn't my area of law. When you, when you clerked on the 11th Circuit, it was with Judge Jordan, right? I did immigration appeals. Yeah, but you still dealt with criminal stuff as well, too. Very little. So... Your understanding, though, is it doesn't mean they can't arrest you. They just can't use what you say here against you later on. So you're protected. Correct. And you needed that to testify, right? It's just given to testify. It's not a question of whether I needed it. It comes with testifying. You fear being charged by them. So you need to have that protection of I your words. I don't fear being charged for a crime I didn't commit, no. Now, we all had this nice exchange where it was pleasant. Okay, wait, I got to read these answers for a second. They're so funny. Hold on one second. Pippi lies. <laughs> Pippi lies stockings. Oh, we the people. That's so funny. Camilla Biden. Okay, a little political there. <laughs> Wendell. Wendell Swindleson. <laughs> Oh, Van Paul, Wendy Bullet, Lilith. Oh, this is funny. Wendy Hadelson, <laughs> Mick Murderer. Someone said undocumented, Gibberson, Wendy Lyerson, <laughs> Jibberberg. It's a hyphenated name. Oh, these are so funny. Oh, I'm crying. Murdoch, 
Fibbers. Someone said Wendy Karen. Okay, Lily. <laughs> Lily. Did anyone choose Wendy Banana Bread? Oh, oh, Rabbit. Oh, funny, funny, funny. Hadelson. <laughs> Hadelson with the Y is so funny. So, and someone said cellmate and her number was funny. I'm sorry. I can't bring them all up. They're so good. Wendy Arias. Oh, Wendy McFibbers. Oh, they're all so good. All right. I know this is long. We're going to get back to it. We're right at the, right at the end here. But there's actually tension between you and this office, right? No. They recently had your brother, Charles Adelson, arrested. He's in custody, right? Correct. For first degree murder. Correct. And there's no tension? It's very uncomfortable to be here. It's hard to tell where the tension is coming from. They've discussed your involvement in this case. They insinuated on the direct examination. There's no tension? Lots of media insinuates that I did something I didn't do, too. I can't feel tension towards every person in the world. That's funny. I thought you didn't look at anything. I don't. That's why. But you know that, 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 that you know about the media, but you don't know about the media? I know about the media because it keeps me from from employment. It keeps me from lots of things in my life. I'm aware of what's there, but I don't I don't read the minutia so I can sleep at night. Ms. Adelson, five minutes ago, you said you don't look at any of that stuff. I now I ask you a question. Let me finish. Sure. Five minutes ago, you say you don't look at any of that stuff. Now I ask you a question. You say you look at stuff. That's not actually what I said. I said I'm aware that it exists, but I don't read it. They don't listen to it. Then I, how do you know that they're bashing you? You just told me they are. I did? Yeah. How about this? We'll come back to it. You can think up a better answer, okay? I'm not thinking up an answer. I'm telling you the truth. I'm sorry if you don't want to listen to it. Your basic understanding of criminal law, though, you know that if the defense gives you a subpoena, you get no immunity. Correction, improper question. I'm not going beyond that question. All right. That's the only question you can ask. If I give you a subpoena, you don't get immunity, right? Correct. Let's talk about your parents. The government asked you about your, your mother and father, Donna and Harvey, right? The government could do the same and subpoena them so that this jury can watch them get questioned, not nicely how Ms. Kaplan questioned you, but to be cross-examined by me. Objection. Improper question. I'm going to sustain that. Ask a different question. Are your parents here in Tallahassee right now? No. Are they back in Miami? Yes. Do they have any plans of coming here this week or next? I don't think so. Now, your family dynamic. It is your mother and father, Harvey and Donna. There's you, you're the youngest, Charles, and then the oldest, Robert. Right? Correct. Now, he's a doctor up in New York. Correct. Now, the government asked you about the relationship <coughs> and why we don't talk much. It's actually much deeper than that with Robert, isn't it? We don't talk. At all. At all. And the reason is, is because. Oh, my. I'm crying laughing, guys. Thank you for the belly laugh. I just can't stop. <laughs> Wendy Rashbaugh. Stop. Okay, this is seriously getting unprofessional here of me, I guess. Okay, thank you. Favored Sita, Wendy Allison. <laughs> Thank you. Katie Holmes. They sound eerily alike. 
Thank you. These are so good. I think, I think, I hope Wendy's listening because these are some really good suggestions for, I like vomits a lot. Vamalita Mesa. Nice. Oh, <laughs> oh. so hold on. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for these suggestions. I'm sure she'll be very touched that we're all, we're all so helpful with these suggestions. Okay, we're getting into some objections. I think we're near the end here. Because your parents were so difficult about the woman that is now his wife. That is not the reason why we don't talk. I am not difficult. I'm not difficult. This is, this is absolutely inflammatory. Inflammatory. I'm not talking about the reason why you don't talk. Let me clarify the reason why your parents don't talk to me. That's not the reason why they don't talk to yeah. me. Are you saying to this jury that there wasn't a problem where they outright objected to his marriage of a woman that was not of the Jewish faith? That was initially what happened. And then there was. And then they found out that she was Jewish style. And they were all on board after that. Actually a beautiful reconciliation. And they're very happy about the marriage. Robert and his wife, not your family. Robert and his wife and our family were very happy about Robert's marriage. So what happens is, is that Robert is in love with a woman. Your parents object. He breaks up with her and then dates a Jewish woman, right? And then they got married and divorced. And then he got back together with the person he wanted to be married to. Yes. With his true love. Yes. But there was a lot of tension in your family because of your family's involvement in the kids' marriages, right? Yes. Let's talk briefly about your your children. The government had asked you, and then the topic of the Jewish faith, keeping kosher. Uh, you mentioned a bat mitzvah at one point in time. You're currently planning a bat mitzvah for your oldest, right? No, it already happened. Okay, now that is a very uh, Christopher. I'm obviously not Jewish, but my understanding is is that it is a very very important thing in the Jewish faith. It's a very important milestone. And for those that are very conservative in the Jewish faith, those that keep kosher, so to speak, it's even bigger. I don't know that it's more important to one segment of Judaism over another, but it's it's an important I think they just make <laughs> oh I think I think uh they just I think deep dive true crime just <laughs> stop stop the video. Just, oh, I think I might be getting a, uh, they just made it unavailable. <laughs> I think we might be hearing about me. I think there might be a video titled <laughs> with my name on it. Just like he did to uh, Gigi, right? <laughs> oh, funny. Oh, that's good. That's okay. We can finish it up later. Maybe I can correct the sound. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. I was listening on headphones. I didn't realize it was so low. Maybe I can correct the sound. <laughs> no, it's not me. It's not me. It's deep dive true crime. They made it unavailable. So that's what happened, I believe. That's what happened. He privated the video. He objected to, to me using his video of this and not Tallahassee. Democrat. That's what happens when someone privates it. So yeah, 
<laughs> so look for look for another uh, you know complaining video from him that I'm that I'm ripping him off or something using his video. Yeah, we were having too much fun. All right, let us. Okay, let us get into just before I go. Just wanted to read you this victim impact statement. And this was written September 23rd, 2019. And this was for Katie's first trial and Sigfredo's trial. I met Danny Markell in the fall of 1996. We were both graduate students in the UK with us both being from Toronto and having fairly similar backgrounds, conversations and friendships come easily to us. I'm writing this letter to share with you how deeply impacted I was by the senseless murder of my dear friend. I knew Dan as a college friend, young lawyer, just starting out with an eye for down the road to a career in an Ivy League academic environment as a man in love with the, quote, most amazing and beautiful woman in the world, unquote, and finally as a caring and loving father to his two boys. Those boys meant the universe and beyond to him. He would do anything for them and often did. So I was saddened when one summer, while Dan and his spouse and boys were visiting with me and my husband at our home in Toronto, his spouse revealed to me privately that she believed she had, quote, married the wrong man, unquote. Later that evening, after Dan and his family had departed, I shared Wendy's confession to my husband, and we both said to one another, like, quote, how sad he'll probably end up being a single dad at some point, despite him being still madly in love with Wendy, unquote. How I wish that Dan were a single dad today with his huge circle of friends, colleagues, family members, and loved ones, many of whom came to see Dan almost as though he were family, myself included. I just know his life would have continued to be full of joy, love, generosity, humor, kindness, and warmth. His spirit was too indefatigable, his heart too full of love. He was too resilient to be brought low for long. Dan was murdered during a time of personal upheaval in his life, at a moment in time where he was indeed feeling low. And yet, whenever he would speak during those anguish-filled months, he would start by saying, How's Haley? How are you doing? That was just Dan. Before closing, I'd like to share one story with you that says everything to my mind about how Dan envisioned how his marriage would be if he found the right partner. Many years before he and Wendy met, while we were still in grad school, he told me that when he married, he hoped to find a woman who might feel exactly as he did. That when, for instance, upon visiting a doctor for this or that ailment, one of them would say, while the other nodded in agreement, doctor, we're here today because we're feeling pretty lousy about my husband or my wife's ailment. Can you help us? 
Losing Dan meant losing a bright and sparkly light in my life, a source of happiness and joy, a warm and loving friend who always looked out for those whom he loved. It is my deepest hope that justice is served through this and forthcoming trials. Sincerely, Haley Meslin, PhD, Toronto, Canada. All right, guys, please hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, share this episode, and I will see you back tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern for another hopefully shorter episode. Have a great night, everybody.